Hey. Pressure's on now. Pressure's hey. on. Whoa. The heat is on. Hey. The heat of the moment. Welcome in, everybody, to the Vorloff Hour. Wow. Oh, Scott's now the host. Thanks, Scott. It's off our plate. It's wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a, quite the coup. It's that was over, good. Just like hey. that. This is coup, great. Actually. Sorry. Does it pick up? Yeah. It no, does a little bit, yeah. For sure, yeah. That's the best part. I love the Iowa audio texture. No, you need the off-camera laughter to make people think that we're funny. Yeah, it's really good. And have friends. Well. Both of which are. I wish I had any of that. Hey, everybody. Um, it's the Vorloff Hour. You can't see my face, but I'm very excited. We're here at Lua Brewing. Is that wild or what? Is it only an hour? Do you cut it a 60 minutes? It's it can be however much well, you want. It's actually six hours, so buckle up. And an hour is a long time to Vorloff, isn't it? Oh, it's it's a lot for You'd sure. You'd be surprised. Sometimes you need more than an hour to Vorloff. It, it depends on how much special beer Oktoberfest has. Yeah. I don't know anyone who would throw that into a... I don't know how... I don't know anybody that also would put special B into an Oktoberfest. Oh, wait. I also... And roast. Don't worry. Got roast malt in there, too. Well, it's And just, honey malt. Well, it's just mm, like your guys' and You put a lot of roast barley in there, right? Yeah, roasted halves. Yeah. Uh, I'm joined by my co-host, Jack Wilson of Flakes Brew House, which has nothing to do with the Oktoberfest we were just talking about. <laughs> Hello! It's me. What's up, everybody? And we're 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 at Lua Brewing. We're we're here with Zach Dunbar. Hello. And Scott Selix. Hey everybody. What's up? That was that, <laughs> was, wow. a good, that was yeah. That's a good start, right? Yeah. yeah we got I, the uh, necessary information out there. Yeah, we're that's it. All right. We're we're Oktoberfest tent adjacent. Ooh, yeah. Enjoying yeah. the weather today. Yeah, we're just a few few days from your guys's Oktoberfest. We're drinking some of it right now, actually. The listeners can't tell, but we are outside. Oh, yes, we're outside, too. And it's uh, maybe they can tell by the audio texture. That's good. It's layered. Yes, very layered. Layered as good as our jokes are. Yeah, you might be (laughs) driving somewhere. Mm -hmm. Pull off on the side of the road. um, uh, Roll down your window. Note the temperature outside. Compare it to us right now. It's beautiful outside right now. Is it beautiful for you, listener? I hope so. Wherever you are, whenever you are, I hope it's great for you. I was waiting for my watch to update on the temperature. Oh. I'm going to guess. 76. Uh, this has nothing to do with what we're doing right now. We're getting off like on a, a huge tangent. Is this like a Price is Right style? or? Oh, yeah. What do you lose if you, you went over? You just don't get to go up on stage. Oh, okay. Uh, what stage? Price is right? No, but for us, it's oh. Price is right rules on the There's going to be a stage here on Saturday. Yeah. For you October. Get, you don't get to go there. I, yeah. get, I don't know. You're, you're, what's up, guys? Here don't we sweat go. the small stuff. Yeah, let's yeah, do it. Let's not. Let's get into it for real. All right, let's go. Guys, Lua Brewing, three years ago, you guys opened 2019 in November, correct? Yes. How's it going? It's still going. You guys opened right before a pandemic. The uh, four months, I believe it was that we were open. That was a critical four months, though. It would have been a lot harder if it was two months. Foundational, yeah. Or one month made all the difference for sure. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? About shutting down. I mean, well, I mean, opening, that, opening slightly before it. Like yeah. you had a little bit of leeway beforehand. You know, a few months to get rolling, get going, build an audience. Yeah. But then the shutdown happened, and then 
how did you guys tackle that? How did your guests feel? Um, how did you guys pivot vis-a-vis friends? <laughs> one, one step at a time, I guess. Um, yeah, we had four months, so just enough time to really, I guess, get a taste of the good life. And yeah, the world changed. And uh, the first thing we did was order a crawler machine. We had no to-go beer before that. Um, and we found a uh, deficit in the Iowa craft beer scene uh, in the form of smoothie sours. I think uh, a deficit probably, or uh, a non-existence. We rode push pop so hard for a while there. Yeah, I want to say yeah in 2019. Uh, yeah, that was we made a lot of smoothie sours. It was uh, we had our operate. I mean, that was that was wild. Thinking about going back to that, our tap room was closed. We didn't lay anybody off, so we had our full staff on, and it was just an assembly line of crawlers. Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We'd have eight or ten people in there labeling crawlers, riding on crawlers, purging crawlers, filling crawlers, seaming crawlers, organizing crawlers. And then Friday we'd put them on sale and they'd sell out. And then we'd sit around Friday, Saturday, Sunday, waiting for the rest. Most of them would wait waiting for people to pick them up. And then we'd do it all again the next week. Yep. It was a weird existence. A it lot was. of board games. Yeah, I mean, we. I think one, one time we separated out several thousand freeze pops by color and by we zach means him and pete that was their (laughs) idea and we let them run with that that was yeah i mean yeah we we shifted from we barely produced beer all we produced was sour it felt like um and we just tried to capitalize on smoothie beer and then i'd say that lasted a good year i don't remember how long it was yeah did did you guys have a like a brew schedule in place before the before the pandemic like were there beers you were looking forward to brewing but then you had to pivot once it, there were, the shutdown happened I wouldn't say so no I mean I mean we had a really rough idea of what we wanted to do but I would say not until this 2022 would I say we've really fallen into uh, I would say an efficiency in scheduling I mean to a place where we want to be but i mean a lot of it is really not knowing um what what to brew i guess that in in a simple sense like we just have no really running numbers to say like oh this is the demand that we'll see in the tap room uh in june of 2022 so you know this summer we came in and we got slammed we've been busier than we ever have been sales have been up i don't know how to quantify it but a ton like i mean food especially yeah. but really just as in tap tap room traffic as a whole has been up a ton so I would call this the first year that we could really look at some data and say, this is how much of this we need to be brewing. And we've kind of established how we want to diversify our tap lines. We have four side poles that we want to keep full of lager and hef all the and time. We brewed, we brewed those throughout the shutdown, too. I mean, it's not like we gave up on lager no, or yeah. IPA or, or whatever it was, but we had to pivot a little bit. Um, it's always a battle of what you want to make versus what sells and the Venn diagram where those cross over. And I think for us, we've been fortunate to be able to make a lot of lager and see a lot of lager beer sell. Cause that's really where we're passionate about it. Yeah. Sure. sure. Before, yeah. before we get to like, <clears throat> I guess where we are now and your passions, um, we should, we should, we should uh, walk back a little bit and let's talk about how Lua started. Sure. You know, like leading up to the open, you guys both are uh, 
pretty experienced when it comes to the industry. You guys are not like people that just started a brewery, right? Yeah. So we have, uh, I guess, Zach or Scott, if you'd like to start, you know, kind of give us your journey that led to Lua. Um, I will start. Uh, I started brewing professionally when I think I was 23 or 24. Professionally is getting in getting paid minimum wage to do it, if that counts. Um, I was at a small brewery in Rochester for a year, and then I was at uh, Forger, which is a brew pub in Rochester for, I want to say, five years I was there from the time that place opened until the end of 2018, early 2019. Um, and yeah, I was just uh, learned a lot of a lot of what I knew about brewing at Forger and and more so the industry um, and just fell in love with the industry and and especially this niche of like, um, I don't know how you describe it, this wave of craft beer consumerism that is, um, I, I don't know the right word, but like falling in love with that type of craft beer that's kind of poking fun at itself a little bit. Self-aware. Um, yeah, I would say that's, that's a good term. Um, and I think that uh, being involved with that really made me want to do something on my own. And I had just kind of reached uh, a point at my last job where I had nowhere to move. I was uh, working with great people, but I just had no upward mobility. And so I had heard rumors that Scott and his wife, Whitney, were thinking about opening a brewery. Scott and I had known each other for a couple of years um, just from the Minnesota craft beer scene. So Scott was at a lot of festivals and he even would pour at festivals. And I think at one point even pretended to be me at a festival because Did. I wasn't there. <laughs> that, w that happened. That's a story that we'll get to. Um, it's not much of a story. No. He was off doing a podcast and he left his name tag behind and I had it on. And then they took a picture and the guy saw my name tag. He was taking a picture. He's like, no, you got to get in there. And so I was holding the award for best beer at oh somebody fast with Forger. And it said Zach Dunbar. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we, we'd known each other loosely. We lived in different cities, but um, always saw each other. Scott and his wife were uh, incredibly friendly, outgoing people. And I just, yeah, it's one of those things where you kind of reach a fork in the road. And I knew that I wanted to continue down this path and make it more of a career. And um, I reached out and uh, pretty quickly Scott got back to me. He's like, yeah, if you're interested or if you know anybody, we are definitely looking for somebody to help out. And I was like, yeah, would love to be involved and that was pretty much it I think that was probably mid 2018 and then I moved to Des Moines in early 2019 or mid 2019 and I've been here ever since doing this now when you started at the small place in Rochester at 23 22 did you know you wanted to be a brewer like was that the goal was that the goal on how you did it or was it just a job and you grew into it or I uh one of my close one of my now best friends he was the best man at my wedding um he was the head brewer at this place and i just i was landscaping actually during the day and i started in the tap room as a as, as a bartender um and uh this guy nick is is his name he was there and he worked at thesis in rochester uh, and he was really transformational in in my love of craft beer and he was a a beer trader and this was probably in 2012 2013 um and that was kind of what sort of open the door for me is trying beer like Pliny the Elder, trading for a Pliny the Elder or Hetty Topper and having that sort of uh, experience of just trying a beer that's so just out of the spectrum and something that you'd never try otherwise and then just the, again sort of the culture around beer like that and how 
uh, branding and the aesthetic and the desire and the appeal of these very prestigious beers really became a part of uh, what was interesting to me. So as much of the culture as the beer itself. Um, but no, I mean, I was bartending. I'd been a bartender before that and I was landscaping during the day and the job opened up and I did it for a while. And there, we were doing a lot of things that we knew we didn't want to be doing in terms of just process and quality things that we didn't agree with. And so Nick and I actually both left at the same time and ended up working uh, with Austin, Paul, and then TJ at Forger um, for yeah five years. So no, I wasn't, was not certain. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was a college dropout and I just wanted to make money and drink beer. Did you guys open Forger? Yeah. Yeah, we were, there were four of us when we opened that we were there during construction. Uh, it was all, Forger was all done pretty much internally. Like we didn't hire a hmm. uh, contracting crew or anything like that. So it was, oh wow. I mean, all that was done uh, internally. Um, but yeah, we were there when, when it opened and I was actually serving, bartending and brewing when it opened. And then I transitioned to just brewing um, and was there. Yeah, it was awesome. It was very, yeah. It informed a lot of how I feel about living my life in terms of like doing things the way that you want to do them and and sort of not having to, I don't know, just that idea of working for yourself a little bit or just doing things the way that you want to do them. Nice. Do you have a full vertical of Miller's? I, I don't have. Can we, we put it on the Patreon? Absolutely. Let's make the guild some money. Yeah. Let's bathe in it and then sell it afterwards. Yeah, for sure. That's better. No, and, I haven't. I haven't had a Miller's in a long time. I did have the ant stout with the ro roasted yeah. ants. Yeah, that looked very that was interesting. Really wild. Those are really giant tasty. ants. Those things are huge. They're huge. What? Those they're, they're like, like the size smoky of a, ants, like a yeah. cashew. It's a big ant. Yeah. Delicious. They smoked them? I think they are smoked. Think, yeah. They come smoked. They're born so, smoked. I can't I can't say that with confidence, but I think. Amazing. But a great idea. Like, really cool. Oh, no, absolutely. Very mystery sure. umami character in a barrel-aged stout yeah. that already kind of exhibits that. It's, yeah, those guys have always done pretty uh, boundary-pushing things. Yeah, that's impressive to me because when I see pistachio in a stout, I'm like, wow, really breaking the boundaries here. Pistachios. But they, they put insects in there. <laughs> that's very cool. A different level altogether. And now you're here. Uh -huh. We're talking to you. The yeah. universe has brought you here. It took you 45 minutes to pour all these uh, Oktoberfests. <laughs> yeah. Which is amazing, by the way. And we appreciate it, yeah. Good, good, I'm glad. I wish this came out before the Oktoberfest that's happening here on Saturday, but well, it won't. It's a mini Oktoberfest here. Oh, yeah, I guess, you know. It's 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 just, out right now. We're, we're when you're here, you're family. We're that's, like the, oh, I think that is the Lua slogan, Lua right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, that should be the next, uh, you guys do the Lua Bell. It's coming back. Spoiler. It is coming back. Is it really? <clears throat> yeah. For Lua Bell as the Taco Bell equivalent of Lua. Yeah. Give, for those listeners that didn't know. Give the so people good. what they want, right? Yeah. The first time it happened, my wife and I were here, and it was so packed. I, believe, I hate that you have to say the first time it happened, because that means it's happened multiple times. We've oh, done I'm multiple sorry. Times. <laughs> I believe yeah. the crunch wrap, right? Is yeah. my, what is it called? It's, my wife's favorite thing on yeah. the planet. She loves a regular Crunchwrap from Taco Bell, mm -hmm. the Crunchwrap Supreme, and that happened, and we were like, well, we got to go to this. We had to get some oh, food from here. Yeah, it's so good. It's, it's all about crispy, ratios with Crispy Wrap Superior. Crispy yeah, that's right. Superior. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, I was turning over to Scott, and Scott's yeah. story. How did you get here? Where did you come from? 
Yeah, I work. Where did you go? I think it's like everybody. It's like Zach. You you sort of fall into craft beer. I I don't know that any anybody goes to college is like I, I'm going to be in craft beer when they're 20 yeah, years old. Yeah. But you fall into it. I I worked in a beer bar in undergrad in college, and then I met my wife there. I went to grad school. We moved up to Minneapolis. I worked a, a real job for a while, and then got back into it. And after a few years, the building in Des Moines that is now Lua was available. I had a connection with the realtor on it. I played soccer with them when I was a kid, and so we oh. had a we had a. Uh, a connection there and for the next year or so I, I was my wife and I were young 30s trying to convince a building owner to let <laughs> us lease his building and give us a bunch of money to put a brewery into it and we spent a long time doing that and eventually everything worked out and and yeah Zach when he he tech we talked a little bit about us opening a brewery and it was just in the abstract. And I never thought Zach was leaving Forger. So it wasn't related to that when we talked about it. But then I remember when he texted me, I was pulling into my parking lo- or into my driveway at home. And the text was, hey, are you looking for an assistant brewer? And he lived like four hours. What's Rochester? Three and a half hours away from Des Moines? Yep. So I, was, I thought he knew someone in Des Moines. That was my response was, yeah, do you know someone in Des Moines? Because the plan all along was for Whitney to run the front of house. And then I would run the brewery. Um, Whitney being your wife. Yes, Whitney who's is the my wife. Who's, yeah. So the three, I would say, managing partners or owners that are on the premises every day are, are Zach, me, and Whitney. Um, but the plan was to have, um, I would run the brewery and then Whitney would, would do the front of house. And then when Zach came on, the plan was to have, have a sort of be co-head brewers. And we were going to try to figure that out. And pretty quickly, uh, we learned that uh, Zach was the better brewer of the two of us. And so it was, I suppose it was a gradual slide from like, you always had more responsibility and more uh, say in there, but it kind of slowly morphed into like, now I, I sort of consult in the brewery. Like, Zach, I, would, I, would, I would say it's more just a, there, it was obvious quickly that we had a, a lot of needs outside of the brewery that yeah. you were more apt at handling. And I think it's kind of the naivety that we all had coming into this where yeah, it was like real naive. Yeah. Uh, we thought that even just the three of us could manage it all on our own. Um, and that was we learned very quickly that was not the case. And, yeah, there's just so many uh, of that sort of glue type of thing that you um, learn quickly. It becomes your job because nobody else is going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> like the first the first six months, it was Zach did almost everything in the brewery, and I helped when I could. My wife and I managed every sh- So if we were open, one of us was here, and we were here at 8 a.m. every day anyways. So typically, Zach would be in there for like 16 hours. And then about 5 o'clock, my wife and I would look at each other at 5 p.m. and say, all right, which one of us is staying to close tonight, and which one of us is going to get the kids? And we did that for six months, and... Wow. You kind of... you, you That's just, draining after a while. Yeah, and you figure it out, though, and that's part of a... Uh, part of the the process of getting to where we are today scott's uh, Scott's also the acting president of the brewers guild yeah that also demands a lot of time and attention so way more kind of our boss yeah you were well yeah what's the transition oh you you guys hired somebody yeah we hired we hired a a really great executive director but director yeah when i joined the shout out to noreen yeah within the first few months of uh (laughs) of uh taking over the guild i had to let the executive director go 
And so it was, that took, yeah, took more time. You spent a lot of time. Yeah, for about two years. It was a lot of time. I mean, the guild's in a lot better place now, though, than it was then. And I think a lot of the credit has to go to you and the board at the time for actually making the decisions, doing the thing, and getting the job done. And getting this back into good standing, though. Absolutely. Thank yeah. Thanks. Yeah. It was. It's. It's awesome. That I think the guild, the people that are involved, see a lot of benefit from it. Just community networking, mm-hmm. being friends. Uh, it's a cool organization. And I think that's also part of the the dynamic experience that you brought here. Is I mean, you didn't mention it, but you also were a lawyer and still are yeah. technically a lawyer, and a lot of that that knowledge and expertise uh, was seemed pretty instrumental in what happened and has happened with the guild and for sure with Lua um, in the build-out phase and, and really all the time. We have issues all the time. Even just, what, a couple weeks ago, we had some employment law things that we had to deal with. So That I got wrong on that one. Yeah. You can't, did, can't yeah. hit every single time you go up to I the know, place. Yeah. yeah. But we did. We really... All of the, the thought and... Like I, we look, we sometimes joke now. Still, Zach and I, we look back at the things we were discussing six months before we opened. Are like, this is the plan, and those are things we haven't even been able to, to talk. Like, we want to make saison. We're going to make so much saison. I think we've we put out one and so they're far. Uh, amazing saison. Yeah. Just saying. It's, we, we're good. very proud of that beer. Uh, <laughs> Lucas Greta is here. He's not on mic, but he just gave Scott a huge thumbs up because yeah. we all appreciate Sonder number two but the things we thought would be important or the things we thought we would be doing are not the things we're doing at all sure uh in a good way i think we've we've evolved and uh gravitated toward what we're good at and you uh, more efficient adapt or you die yeah, trying so, well, also like i want to ask about before like the setup the plan the everything like was Sherman Hill just a, you knew the guy with this building, or did you know you wanted to come into Sherman Hill? Because if you talk about where beer is in Des Moines and where mm-hmm. there were gaps oh, yeah. missing on where breweries are at, this chunk by Ingersoll, uh, Sherman Hill in general, nothing was here. Did you see that as an opportunity? Was that part of why you picked Sherman Hill? Or was like, what was, what was the thought coming? Or was it literally you just knew a guy that had this building and it would have worked out really well? No, we, we found the building before I knew who the realtor was. So we were looking here. Um, we loved this area. We knew it was expensive. We knew there's a lot of buildings in Sherman Hill that are historical buildings and they're protected. You can't, it'd be really hard to put a brewery into them because they won't let you put holes in the wall or things like that. So we did look here and we loved, we wanted to be here, uh, but you never know, um, you know, it, we got fortunate that this building came available right well, it actually been vacant for about five years. A lot of people told us that we were crazy for moving in here. Uh, and we believed in what we saw in the building and it's worked out pretty well. But there were a lot of people that said, don't do that. And a lot of people that I used to work with called me and was like, hey, these people work in Des Moines. They say that's a bad spot. Maybe you shouldn't do it. And <laughs> we, you know, I, I suppose it could have gone either way, but I'm glad we were right on that one. Yeah, do you see the neighborhood like coming around Lua and having that as like an identifying mark around the neighborhood or like for locals that are coming into uh, the tap room or is it more from all around Des Moines, workers getting off work in downtown or? Man, that's a good, I think that's what we would have liked to have seen. But with the pandemic, we're downtown and so many people worked from home for two years. And so all of the buildings that are around here are vacant. There's a theater on the next block up 
and for two years they had no shows, and we were counting on that. There's the big Western Gateway Park is is a block to the south, and they do 8035 there. They do the Arts mm-hmm. Fest, the Iowa's largest festival besides the State Fair. They do the Italian American Festival is mm-hmm. not is canceled again this year. So a lot of the things we counted on didn't we we weren't the foot traffic that was built in was mostly gone with the pandemic, and so I think we've had to we've had to earn our own customers. Um, and that's been really great for us because now that people are starting to come back downtown and there's festivals going on, I think that's where we've seen our boost. We've, we've earned our own customers and then there's also the foot traffic and the, the customers down here. But it's been, it's, been a, it's been different than we expected. Yeah. I mean, this is really, this feels like our first year of being actually yeah. open, to be really honest. It feels like our tent, like I'm, we're exhausted, but also right. our first. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like, yeah, it's a, a combination of both of those things, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah. It's on a different scale, <clears throat> personally speaking, it's like this is my, uh, I'm like two and a half years into Cabco, and this fe- this summer has felt like my a- like actual full bore, like productions like ramped up. I'm sure you feel the same thing, yeah. Yeah, like I'm, I Just feel like I'm getting my up. ass kicked all the time. And uh, I can't even imagine what's like on your guys' scale, like you're talking about right now, like... You're not just making sour now. It's like you're doing a multitude of things, right? And, like, one of those things, actually, that's become quite popular is your guys' beer dinners, too. Yeah. Which you guys just announced the fall beer dinner? Yeah. Announced and tickets went on sale and sold out in about 10 minutes, apparently. Less, I think, is what Pete was saying. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they they are they're really a lot of fun. They're labor-intensive, time-intensive, um, but they are... Fun, yeah, I, I think when when you, when I think of Lou, I think of a lot of serendipity. With Zach happened to feel like he had reached the height of where he could get at Forger and text text us. And if he texts us three or four months later, we probably would have been further along, and it would have been a lot more difficult yeah. right. to bring him on. Uh, we were looking for a chef, and we got a lot of. <laughs> we interviewed a, n- a number of people. Yeah, we had some good interviews. We had a couple good interviews. We had some some resumes and some interviews that were very poor and I got an email from an ad on Craigslist that was just like hey I'm the head chef of a Michelin star restaurant I'm moving to Iowa because my wife is pregnant call me and I thought it was some kind of scam oh my god call that me. sounds it's like be a like scam a Nigerian yeah. prince and I did, so I there was a cell phone number it said James and a cell phone number and I clicked the number and the thing popped up and I said call and somebody answered it was a Saturday morning I was in here construction was still going on and someone answered and it was James and he seemed normal and we FaceTimed that morning <laughs> seemed normal yeah he seemed like a, he didn't seem like a yeah so we we FaceTimed that morning real briefly and I called my wife when we hung up we probably talked for 20 minutes I called my wife when we hung up and I said I'm gonna hire this guy I'm, I'm gonna try to get like I'm gonna do everything I can to hire this guy and we did and so James came to us he had just accepted a position to be he was chef de cuisine at a Michelin star restaurant he had just accepted the position to become executive chef. His wife is from Iowa. Oh wow! She was pregnant, and um, they moved to they moved to Iowa. He moved here. I want to say 14 days before we opened. Literally. Wow. What? Yep. And the idea was that we wouldn't have food for, when we hired him. I was like, okay, we won't have food for two months, and then once you get here, we'll have food. He moved here a month early, two two weeks before we opened our doors. He somehow hired a skeleton crew. We had food our first night. Wow! And we've. <laughs> We figured it out since then. I mean, then the food concept is like he was talking, and to his credit, it's like I'm disparaging. He was talking about souffles, and we had souffles for a while, and salmon, and the menu has evolved to where it is today, where we have 
we, everything's from scratch, almost to a fault, where it's like, James, you yes. guys you guys have to limit your prep. You guys are overworked, uh, but he won't cut corners. So it, it's it's from scratch, It's but it's still approachable pub food, I think. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. think, like, on top of the beer, which is phenomenal, we know this, uh, the food, too, like, continues to impress people as well. Like, I, I didn't think you guys... I don't think anyone knew you guys were going to come out with straight heaters, like out the we, kitchen. We didn't either. Yeah, <laughs> we, Fly, we had no idea. Flying yeah. fish in fresh and having them like actually prepare it here for fish and chips. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah blew that my was, mind yeah. the first time that happened. I was like, holy hell! How yeah. it makes good fish and chips. How it does. Yeah, it does. So he, but and we like James does. That's what he came from. Was uh, twelve course tasting menus in San Francisco sure. for four hundred dollars yeah. a plate. Uh, we can do it a little cheaper. It's still the same quality. He kept all his uh, contacts from San Francisco, so we're flying stuff in from wow. there. We're flying it in from New Zealand. We're flying. We're getting local Iowa beef for burger. So for these beer dinners, seven courses, 170 bucks. It sold out like you said in four mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah. If this was something that it's, if this was something that happened in San Francisco or at a mission, like we're at his restaurant before, it'd probably be a 400 dollar dinner. And you get it, mm. 170 bucks is nothing to sneeze at. It's that's a, a lot, lot of beer money too. Talk but, about like. Yeah. yeah. So and seven, bespoke beer too, right? Like Zach, you and you and James are like working on the like the whole flavor of the dish, right? Like Yeah, I'm, so the our process has has evolved and changed, but James essentially uh, comes up with a, a pretty solid framework of a menu and then we come we met yesterday for this the dinner we're having in uh, a month and um we just kind of discuss very loosely, um, not specific beers all the time, but um, components that I think we think are essential that need uh, we need to either balance, compare, contrast, complement. So you're more talking like dish. flavor notes and stuff, and you're like, here's yeah. what I can do to kind of get to that target. 100. percent Yeah. So I mean, he comes from a culinary background, obviously. So his his knowledge of the beer making process is is. Um, naive in a really fun way where he'll say things and I'm like well we can't do that and I'm like well I guess we can it's five gallons why not like we don't have to package this beer sure. who cares about foam stability you know these types of things <laughs> yeah. like like the things us as brewers like care about right the types of like, conversations that lead to putting fish organs in a seltzer yeah. hey. <laughs> that was valentine's inspired okay it was a tuna heart seltzer it works on a lot of levels it's a, it's a pun because it's a heart seltzer like a hard seltzer yeah and it's no. Valentine's Day, and it's got hearts in it. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, my. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Holy hell. So kind of the riffing on that. Hidden. So kind of riffing on that, Zach and Scott, you can both, I think, talk to this. Uh, like, what inspirations outside of brewing kind of inspires your, like, your brewing? So, like, you know, the, like, the adjuncts you guys use in stouts and sours. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you guys had a... Um, you know, like that walnut brownie, mm-hmm. which of course is a classic dessert. Classic. But you also had like those sours. Uh, you had you had one sour that was like a uh, uh, was it a Watergate salad? Uh, I don't think we've done Watergate. We've done or Ambrosia. And we did we Ambrosia. Did an Ambrosia. Did yeah, we? yeah, we did. Was, so were you guys Nixon looking to invited like to the Watergate salad party? No, his know. invite got He's, lost in the mail. Yeah, he sent some friends, though, <laughs> yeah. in his stead. <laughs> but are you guys, like, uh, you know, are you looking to, like, certain things, like, maybe nostalgic-wise, like the Push Pop? Or, that like, is, you that know... That is our nostalgic series of yeah. beers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's what means the most to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you know, for these, like, 
it seems like you guys are very focused when it comes to some of these things. Like, sure, you might be like off the cuff, but like, you know, when you're coming out with like a, a stout, mm-hmm. you're, maybe you're pulling something from a barrel, you're going to adjunct it. Or, you know, you got this nice, like, thick boy that's in the... And you're like, well, what do I want to do with this, you know? <laughs> so it's like, you're not just like, well, let's just throw cocoa nibs and coconut at it. It's like, you you guys seem to have, like, a focused vision. Um, and so, like, what are you inspired by outside of brewing? Not just seeing what your friends are doing. Yeah, I wish... Yeah, I mean, I wish we could romanticize it a lot. I mean, a lot of it is necessity, to be honest. I mean, we've, we've made... It feels like hundreds of beers at this point. Um, and it's nice to bring a lot of them back. But, I mean, yeah... Desserts, cocktails, uh, just, yeah, I mean, I'd say it's that simple. Culinary-derived things, I sure. think, is, is the nexus of a lot of that I stuff. I believe it's culinary. Oh, culinary. excuse me. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but do you have, like, uh, maybe I'm being very romantic here, but, like, you know, maybe you're, like, you're home, and you have, like, a dessert grandma always made, like a cake, you know, and it just, like, hits you, and you're like, damn, I could turn this into a beer. Oh, you know what the my most recent one right now? Is Nutella. Is that just low? Nutella? Yeah. We haven't I, done Nutella yet. I know, and I just ate some at a hotel. And they, because there's like a hotel breakfast, so it was a really nice one. <laughs> so they give you these little mini jars of Nutella. Uh-huh. And I ate five of them, like just on their own. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, why haven't we put made a Nutella stout yet, right? Like it's, I mean, I guess it's, I don't want to oversimplify it, but it's that simple. Like, there's certainly some inspired things, I guess, quote-unquote quote sure. inspired things. Or, like, for me, it's there are some classic, if you can call them classic at this point, but, like, coconut. Like, we made the last barrel-aged stout that we were, well, one of the last ones we released was just an insane amount of coconut. And it was just, like, that's, that's uh, I feel like, just a classic Yeah, and stout. classic is so... Yeah, 2015 classic. And, and when, <laughs> yeah, when well, Bourbon County classic. Coconut yeah, right. came out, and it was like they put coconut. Yeah, 2013, in the beer? 2014, those beers were phenomenal. Those were those were trans. I mean, trying yeah. those beers changed my life. Even yeah, Oscar, Oscar sure. Blues, Oscar Blues had that death, death by, by coconut. coconut. Death by yeah, coconut. Yeah. Yeah. that was wild at the time. Yep. And I was like, whoa. Drank so much of that shit. <laughs> Zach came to he when we were we brewed our first batch of Hefeweizen, and I think. We have a couple flagships, but our Hef is certainly one of them. Definitely. And he's he goes, hey, I'm gonna put some coconut in this Hefeweizen, and I was like, you can't get more classic style than Hefeweizen. You're that ruining is a, it. That is a classic <laughs> German style beer. And I did. I was like, I don't think we can bastardize the style that way. And he goes, just trust me on this. And it, it's a banana bread. Uh, it's it's really it's decadent in some ways, but also still it's crisp so and and classic in other ways. And uh, it's, it never leaves our tap list as long as we can keep making enough of it. And in fact, we used to split batches. So we used to uh, do, we'd, we'd brew 20 barrels of Hef and 10 of it would become College Dreamin' or so. I think it was actually. A little bit less, but yeah, yeah. about a split. Uh, and now we're brewing full batches of both because they, they both sell very, very well. Damn. And, but that's just one of those, I mean, again, we're brew pub based. So you have, yeah. we, we the one, I think the one maybe weak spot for us is we don't have that really approachable cream ale golden ale like we have we don't have that yeast prop sort of like really nice yeah it's not a lager it's not this like slow pour commitment thing it's it's you know a little bit less pretentious sure. it's because neither of us like that style. i don't want it just, feels like mailing it in talking about approachable though um and i think the first time i had it was we had a le- legislative reception um an English mild is like as approach as, appro- as as approachable as you can get, and I had it, and like it blew me away as a brewer. But I feel like that's also like 
if you go back in time of what people were drinking when people were drinking it's super approachable yeah it's malty it's not a golden ale it's not you know a light lager or anything mm-hmm. but i think that that beer specifically is super approachable mm. so good and i feel like that's like and maybe for a lot of like some slightly older people it's like their favorite beer style but like <laughs> Like I had one earlier because I was like, I have to have this while I'm here. Like I think that's super approachable. I think it's you're underselling. It's just like, you know, it's importance and it's like quality by saying that's not approachable. Just I think because that that's one, great. It's amazing. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. I mean, that's that is and and the reality is when you make a beer like that, we have to have that conversation about when you put it on a menu. It's like, all right, do we do we do we sell this as an English mild or do we yeah. sell this as an amber ale or a right, red ale yeah. because mm-hmm. because It'll we all know and, and I have no I, I I love my father he's but he is the man that orders beer by color <laughs> and he's like he wants a brown one or a red one and like I shouldn't oversimplify my dad has gotten into beer over over the sure. years uh, has been forced to get into beer over the years but he is like a man that sees a color and he's like that's the one that I want like and if he sees English mild on a menu he's he doesn't know that that's the red one he's like, confused he, he's he needs to be told that that's the red one so that he can he's not asking what his, the srm is no, he's he, he's no he's more of a love bond guy yeah oh <laughs> like a whole my, ge- my dad's more of an ebc though. dude oh 100 that, whole generation that is of the dad like growing yeah, up stereotype my right? dad always had fat tire yep. in, in the yeah. fridge and the color of beer he always drank back then was Fat amber tire. in color. Yep. And no matter what the beer style was, whenever we'd go anywhere, he always got whatever the copper to red to brown beer was. Yep. We used he, to, he, that was my family too, 100%. Yeah. yeah. We used to go to a restaurant and Shell's Brewery in New Ulm would contract brew this house red ale. It was called the Rusty Truck Red Ale and it was $1.50 all That's the time. That's a great name. And my parents loved the stuff. And yeah. it, it was, it was, the same thing it was you go and you get the amber colored beer and i have no qualms about that not disparaging it at all sure but that is the that is the thing when you when you make a mild it's like you have and we're not a full service restaurant we we do most of our ordering through qr unless you're at the bar so it requires a lot of extra effort from our service staff to make sure that people come in and, and can, can ask those questions and still feel like they're getting a full experience and they can get their brown beer because everybody deserves to have whatever color beer they want. And you guys have a wide variety of beer too, which is always really impressive. Anytime I come in, there's always something new, there's always something different, and there's just a wide plethora of different styles available for anybody that comes in. Whether you you want, you know, hoppy, you know, even more bitter hoppy, to, you know, amber, to light, to anything. Mm -hmm. Like you've got just about everything anyone could want, even if they're not a craft beer drinker, you have something that say James wasn't a craft beer drinker but I want to go hang out with James I'd be like hey let's go to Lua I'll oh, get I don't know. It's, a, it's a craft brewery uh, <laughs> it's a craft brewery I don't know if I'd like anything well I promise you we can find something that you would like mm-hmm. well Body Song Gil's Pels mm-hmm. which are kind of the same beer I would even put those beers more in on an intensity level that's not always incredibly approachable though sure to be I, honest i'd say especially like keller beers too yeah i think yeah. they can be i mean our keller beer is a an assertive beer we yeah it's a 40 ibu beer you know it's it's dry it it is a i think a very sessionable drinkable beer i think the carbonation and bitterness does make it something that's a little bit more sure uh daunting to a lot of people though yeah to jack's point too about frail mm-hmm. and um the porter which I cannot remember the name of. 
Hollow. Hollow, yes. Probably more approachable for dads. Oh, those are dad beers. Yeah. Dad beer. Big dad energy coming from those. Those are those are dad energy for sure. I'm not a dad, but man, I got that energy emanating from me because I love, love those beers. beers. You don't have to I have offspring them. to have the energy. No. <laughs> like you said, I, those beers, if we called them, if we called Hollow a brown, yeah, we call it a brown porter, but if we called it a brown ale, if we called our English mild an amber, they would sell much better but i think sometimes we have it's about teaching your audience though because yeah. you can't just can't just keep going with that we're building a culture and that's part of like why we have this podcast why we have the guild because we're building and creating something new that a lot of iowans are in yet but it's continuing to grow and we see that movement growing so if you can get your local neighborhood sherman hill you can get other people bought in on it and educate them slightly the whole industry in iowa and the craft beer industry in general gets better and that's if that's not part of our goal, I don't know what we're doing. That's why we're smashing leaders of Martin tonight, right? Hell yeah, yeah. boy! I'm trying to look around and see. Yeah, baby. I'm trying. It's a big Lucas, leader. I Lucas haven't drank off any. Mic. Lucas off mic is is in first place. I'd say the rest of us are mostly the same, except for James. Who oh, has, I'm in last place. Who has, sure. a, full, has a full lead. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to ask questions. We're it's all, a leader of Oktoberfest. You can't just turn it down. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't come out until this Saturday. I could make one other comment. I really. I'm playing to an audience of one, which is mostly Zach here. But talking about dad beers, uh, have you thought about uh, a collaboration with Dan the Dad? Oh, uh, uh, we're trying to get him involved with the either of those two. Who, I don't a know. Dream. Who's, who's Dan the Dad? He is a a wrestler. A wrestler. He's not no. an amateur wrestler. Dan House. He's a semi-professional wrestler. I don't know what his actual last name is, but he's a dad. What? Who's the Who's the uh, Man Scout? Man Scout. Man Scout. They make a really great great tag team. Uh, I would love Dan the Dad if you're listening, which I'm assuming you are. Uh, get at me. We'll tag him on socials when we put this one out. Hit, hit me up on Instagram. God, the tent. The tent Lucas is a great up a finisher. Of, of the this tent man is a really fighting great a guy, finisher. hitting somebody with a tent. I was more Dan bad boy era wrestling. Bad boy era, late '90s. I didn't. Dan the Dad was not a part never of really that. got into it. Like for like, I, like growing up, my parents stopped letting us watch it once because my older brother was literally pummeling the two younger brothers and then when we got big enough we put the hurt on him and my parents were like no more of this you have to draw the lines blame it on the wrestling well yeah. i mean it wasn't hard because he was literally like suplexing <laughs> us and <laughs> like <laughs> arms throwing right out finisher names <laughs> <laughs> choke slam uh, we yeah. couldn't we couldn't Probably watch wrestling. it because austin 316 was blasphemous to <laughs> church wow so uh, it's, it's too bad that didn't stick with you though I, I know it's. I, I had a visceral reaction post high school to organized religion, which we do not need to get into. Yeah, that's but, uh, that's it, the af, the Vorloff after hours. Yeah, that is that's uh that's is that is the off mic conversation. <laughs> but, uh, if you want to know more about it, you can uh, Instagram follow, me. Yeah, follow him on regular. I'm socials. not going to tell you what my Instagram is though. <laughs> you can find it yourself. I mean, if they if they pay attention to this podcast, they could find it pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, our downloads are increasing every single week privacy is so. an illusion james <clears throat> when you become that's actually a good point when you become a brewer or a member of the brewing industry though and as a brewer and a, as a member of the guild do you guys find yourself having like privacy problems when you go places like people know who you are and come up and talk to you or anything like that because that is sometimes like at flick specifically or at lua specifically sure it happens all the time but do you ever find yourselves having trouble out and about with that no one knows about flicks, so if I go out about it, I'm basically anonymous, but you guys are a little bit more well-known. I, I don't. I think a lot, mostly because I'm not from here. Yeah. Um, 
No, no I'm... one knows who you are, Scott. You go out. Uh, yeah, I see. I think so. Scott's uh, a dad. Scott's also a naturally social he doesn't person. Go I'm out. a little bit more of a recluse. So I yeah. think that also has That's something true. to do with That's true. I, I, I don't get out as much. Uh, I don't know if that... I, maybe you're more of a... You're, you want to be a recluse. You're, you're a social person. We all have I, to have goals. You yeah. can see uh, Zach at Carl's between 6 and 10 p.m. Monday <laughs> to Friday. Yeah. So and I'll, occasionally I'll from 2.30 to 2.45 on a Wednesday. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, those are the more important trips, to be honest. Yeah. No, I don't think so. And it's, it's uh, here especially. We Zach and I both should spend more time in the tap room, but it yes. is hard because it's not... It's going to sound like it's some sort of... It just it takes up a lot of time. There's sure. a lot of people totally. that, that I would love to sit and chat with, but there's never enough hours in the day for anyone. Sure. And that, it's hard. We, we work in a job that is very social, and people come in here to be social, but we're in here to work, and there's a weird balance of uh, part of our job is... is and, and we see friends. So I don't want to make it sound like it's uh, just work. Yeah. But, it's also like shit. Where did those two hours just go? Yeah, there's I not a lot of people work for... at jobs where their friends come visit their job regularly while drinking and partying. Yeah, and it is a different working. dynamic. Well, and, sure. and like we like set our own schedule too, right? Where it's like some days you want to like yeah, to my detriment. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's like I. This reminds me of like Shane Knipper, friend of everyone here at the table. Lovely man. I remember is that him a hard K in Knipper? I didn't I, know that. I didn't He's know probably that listening. I was a, I was just gonna call him like a like a parasit like. Like nippers. I believe it's Knipper. I was thinking it was like a Knobloch thing, like the Shane Nipper. Yeah. But I could like be Ch- wrong. Are you talking about Chuck Knobloch? That's He's like here tomorrow. Infamous. We can uh, berate Knobloch? him about, no. Yeah, Chuck Shane, Knobloch will be here tomorrow. Shane Nipper or Shane to... Knipper. I'm pretty sure it's Knipper. It's Knipper. I it's trust a hard you. K. Anyhow. We'll ask him Chuck tomorrow. Knobloch, though, hit that woman. He did, what? What? He, he threw, I have no idea what we're talking about. He threw about. a ball at that woman. Who? Chuck Knobloch. When he was playing second base, I didn't. Kanablock, Chuck Kanablock, yeah, Kanablock. Look it up. I don't need to inform you guys. So, <clears throat> so Shane, well, I'm just saying. I was going to get off the Shane K. train. Shane well, K. I was just going to say to to that point, like setting your schedule. I remember him having a video. He was up at like three in the morning. He's like, "Well, I figured I'd go into work and just mash in." Damn that dog. That ain't me. I ain't coming in at 3 a.m. No, 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 thanks. No, no, no. Maybe oh, still be here at 3 a.m. That's much more likely. Yeah, Zach left last. Well, I don't know what time you left last night. The night before was last like 1.30. Last night was a solid 1.45. Yeah, Monday night was probably doing 4 a.m. No, just like hanging uh, out. We just have had we've had a hectic brewing schedule, so we've been. But it was half. Half takes a long time to brew. It was. It was half, and we needed to do some transferring and things of that nature before starting to brew half on Monday. So I opted to take my Sunday and enjoy it and then have a really hellacious Monday instead of working on Sunday. So this is actually a good intro into your guys's uh, procedures when it comes to traditional styles. Because you guys don't shy away from like decoction no. or uh, multi-step mashing. No. You guys go the full mile. All the full royal mile. So you're half. Mm-hmm. What's that mash schedule look like? Uh, five steps and a single decoction. Whew. Um, yeah, we do classic ferulic acid rest. Um, yeah, it's it's very much derived from. It's simple. It's sixty percent wheat, thirty five percent pills, five percent carahel. Um, mashed to try and get it pretty dry and boil it for ninety minutes. Add a little bit of hops. It's yeah, that's the beer we've made the most by far, I would say. Yeah, we made um, the most. It's I that is 
the most labor intensive to brew mm -hmm. that beer. Over your lagers too? Yeah, and I should say that I've never brewed that beer. That is that is purely Zach's beer. In fact, I've never brewed a lager beer here. I've only ever brewed an ale. You finish lager. I finished I finished lagers, yeah. And I like to finish lagers. I too. also finished plenty of lagers like yeah. right now. Smash yeah. lager. I'm not gonna beer. finish this. Let's just go. Um, yeah, we, I mean, yeah, that Lucas just finished it. There we go. Yep. James is, is really not drinking his beer Dang, very fast. Dude, I, I'm doing He's my best He's a baby here. boy. He loves to enjoy his beers. Young king. I am not that much over. I just want to We're say thanks for having place, us on, Zach. baby James. Appreciate baby you having us on today. Some call him the young king. Sweet, sweet um, baby James. Sweet baby James. Sweet baby James. Is that a barbecue sauce in the making? It's a, <laughs> it's a beer name in the making. So don't spoil yeah, it. Yeah, we're putting barbecue sauce on it. James Taylor. Smoked beer with barbecue sauce. I think this, with is, this is where we sorry. can issue our public apology to, to James about what brewing a collab beer together oh. <laughs> and making oh, yeah. the whole thing. I was I, I was very doing the whole collab and then why did why did you have to bring this up? We forgot to put. Why did you have to do that? <laughs> heard about heard about life. this, but no, he was like they felt so bad. But I'm like I don't care. <laughs> James literally well, I came was, in. I was like I was like I was more heartened just to like hang out with friends, and then like I got this text, this very sweet text from Zach. Uh, yeah, it was where you were very apologetic and stuff, and I was like, I'm just like happy to be here, bro. <laughs> like that's like really all I care about. Like, but. No, but I now do, we've I gotta, do appreciate we've it. We've got to run it back because now we've got to do it again, and maybe it's Sweet Baby James. Although it sounds a lot like Sweet Baby Ray. But yeah, that's why you have to make it a smoked barbecue sauce beer. Yeah. We're not. We're not doing smoked beer is all the rage. People, it flies off the okay. shelves. But yeah. we've done a smoked. Yours, that is not. True. It was very. We good, did a smoked though. lager. It was. Yeah, the it was so good. It really, lager. it really lagered well over the year that it was sitting in kegs. I did bring a friend here. <laughs> And they had like four of them, and they were like, "This is one of the best can, beers I've ever had." Three yeah. percent. I, I came like, here. That's great. Off the, off the cuff at like noon, my friend Matthew Barker of Five One Five Fame, Shout my co-host on that other Barker. podcast I do, and he was drinking it. And I was like, "What are you drinking?" And he was like, "Oh, the smoked beer I had." And I was like, "Oh!" And then we literally proceed. I think I had three with my lunch that I was here for. And he had at least three. <laughs> it's I love. I absolutely love that beer. I wish we, we like could that, make it again. Yeah. We will at some point. That, yeah. That. It's that for a while. I, we, the first week it was on, or maybe it was the second week, I, we kind of joked, yeah, Grotzeski, it's got, it's oak smoked wheat, it's oak, it's a very yeah. savory smoke. Mm -hmm. It has a sausagey smoke flavor to it. And uh, one of the bartenders was talking to a customer about it, and like, oh, what's this smoked beer? And the, the bartender literally goes, it, it tastes like hot dog water. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're really that's the most appetizing thing to sell. So well, I blame the bartenders for that thing sitting around for a year. I liked it as a nice vegan option because you could actually just take a hot dog bun mm -hmm. and dip it in there. Yeah. Joe Chestnut would love that. You, st you still get the, uh, the hot dog flavor. No dog. None of the calories but on the dog. But then there's, no, you can't. Spoil the glizzy is the reason you're having it. You got it's glizzy water. Down. It's glizzy water, but I mean, like, why? Like, the next one needs to be made with glizzies in it, and That's actually use hot dog water for the mash. You know what I'm point. saying? You I, guys, you guys have a kitchen. You make a bunch of glizzies. You save the water. You use that water for the mash. We bring it up temp. We put it in there with the grain, with all the smoked grain as well. You know, like Scott six is or not seven. Into this. No, I was gonna say six or seven years ago. It was. I remember seeing Bob up at Pulpit Rock. We love those guys. But seeing him dump pastries into a beer and just being like, "What the hell are they doing?" And now that's all the rage, and everybody's yeah. doing it. And I think they really were on the early end of that. If they didn't invent it, they were right there. And and I think they did invent it. Uh, but no one has done uh, sausage in beer yet. So. 
as crazy as it sounds, you know, maybe this will be the, the start of, of... It just hasn't happened sa- yet. Savory pastry stats. Speaking <laughs> of new trends and stuff, what do you, what do you guys look... What do you guys what are you guys looking forward to in the brewing scene or what like hopefully styles that you think could become popular or what what do you want what do you want to be the next thing in brewing if it's not pastries it's not hot dog water beer like what do you guys want to see going forward not just want... from you guys but just the industry in general yeah I love t- I love table beers I love three percent two and a half three and a half percent table beers I think those are great you can have six of them and uh, just a, a trend toward more balanced beers, I think, is something that we both look forward to. Yeah, low-alcohol content beer for sure. Yeah. I like to consume a quantity of beer if I'm going to have some. So yeah. I enjoy it when it's 2 or 3% for sure. And still We, we love making huge, flavorful beers. Double, double hazy IPAs, pastry stouts, fruited sours. Uh, so I don't want to be uh, self-deprecating that we... We, we make those beers and we like them, but uh, balanced, approachable beer, certainly uh, we're looking forward to that. That's made a huge comeback here. Or not a huge comeback. It's always sold well here. Our Hef, our Pilsners, our lager beer has always sold well. And that's the, the most rewarding moment I think I've had here. And I don't know why it stuck with me so much, but I was in the brewery. It was a super hot day. And you can see through our tanks into our tap room from our brewery. There's a window. And there were four people sitting at a table. And all four of them had a mug, a half liter of some sort of lager. Because that's the only thing we serve in those mugs. I think we had a couple on at the time. And they were cheersing and they were all smiling. And it was four people getting together drinking a lager beer. And it was a small moment. But that's why we do it. And so those are the, I don't know, those are the cool things that uh, make this job worth it. It Heck is yeah. experience-based. I mean, we are at our core mm. brew pub. You know, we do... A small amount of distribution but we make beer for people to enjoy here so that is that is the rewarding part about it for sure that's a good point too like having those moments here at the brew pub at lua physically but then you also have the other side of it too you know where the recognition you guys have got from i think we all kind of deal with this too is like your big stouts your hazies your super fruited sours but then when people come here, like to Jack, you were saying earlier, there's a multitude of beer here. Mm-hmm. There's more than just that. It's not just, I just traded for blubber, <laughs> you know, from my brother-in-law who's here in Des Moines. It's like you come here and you're like, damn, I can have like six different lagers, a whole bunch of like <clears throat> brown porter, <laughs> Oktoberfest, you know, stuff like that. It's like, and that seems to be the stuff you guys, you guys put in, it's, it's all artful. But... Uh, you know, doing these things we've talked about, like the Hefe and all that stuff, like that's like really exciting to see people drink, right? Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean that's that. You guys forced me to drink so much of this, and now I'm starting to. Am I am I babbling right now? Maybe no, a little bit, a, but I, I mean, think I'm kind of making a point here. You, you, you're I, making a but, decent point. I'm picking up what you're putting but, down. For yeah. sure. You're not making a point by drinking it though. And yeah. in fact, <laughs> damn, he's those. talking about how much he's drank, and he still has by far yeah. the best beer in his In fact, I don't lot, think he actually. likes it. Is yeah. that is that the problem? That's, That's fine. You just have to pretend for a little bit longer. He likes to say. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Is like you guys like Lou is high regarded when it comes to stouts, not even just adjunct. It's out. It's like straight up, just like yeah, we're, we're all about the Nike stouts, man. That's yeah. Let's bring it back. That's see, I love that about you guys. I love that like dimensional too. They do sacrificial activities every other stout, and mm-hmm. it's just like 
Shane and Grant and Joe are very much like, guys, this is just stout in a barrel. Yeah. And that's so awesome. It's not, of course, it's not as hype, but it's closer to kind of what people all over can like appreciate. Like when we have a stout that's just like maybe even just like a little bit of vanilla bean or whatever, people are like, oh yeah, this is mm-hmm. nice. Like that was yeah one of the one of the nicest compliments I've received is a friend of mine said yeah our first barrel aged stout was uh, reminded them of Bourbon County and I mean that's oh. again one of those uh, just sort of like archetypical like that yeah. that is the that is the beer that started it all so it's a storied beer yeah I mean uh, yeah I think. Do you remember the first time you had Bourbon County? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I went to a yeah. Black Friday morning the first time. I'd never had it before, but I got talked into going and buying it at 4 o'clock and getting up and mm-hmm. getting in a line to get this beer at 4 o'clock in the morning from what a high V. 2014? Oh, you baby. 2015, something like that. <laughs> I'm 32. I know I look like I'm 42. It's fine. <laughs> You're a brewer. That's how it goes. Yeah. But I think, uh, the, Zach, you said yes. You could remember the first time you had it. Yeah, 2012 Bourbon County. Um, I had it with, uh, next to a KBS uh, with my friend Nick, who I had mentioned earlier. is yeah. really the guy that, that shared his, his love of craft beer for me or with me. Uh, yeah, and it was just... Uh, you just have that, and that was—I had darkness for the first time. Wow! As yeah. well at the same. When time. was your first time with Bourbon County? We got a couple. We got a lot of it actually at the beer bar I was working at in 2009. It was back oh. when it had the. Uh, it was the old, old, old label with the the a lot of letters. It was it was a white label with black. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but I, the bigger point. It was, it was jokes aside on, on when we first drank it was that most people remember that beer that's like an epiphany moment for yeah. a lot of people because it was so it pushed so far beyond what people expected from beer my first thought was this tastes like soy sauce which uh, <laughs> some things don't change yeah <laughs> it, it's it's crazy that the industry has come so far from there too on how imperial stout or barrel aged stout tastes though too it's like everything's changing constantly i mean that is the industry we're constantly trying to adjust move what do the people want to drink what do they want to do bourbon county's changed a bunch you have it you have a, a vertical of that and the beer that's coming out now tastes even if you aged it for a year, it tastes so different than mm-hmm. what was coming out in 2008, 2009. Well, it's even just, Dark Lord, too. Right? Mm-hmm. That is completely different now than it was well, we struggle five, with that. six years ago. Like by the time a beer gets out of the barrel, it's passe. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a beer that we're res- releasing on Friday with Pulpit Rock, which yeah. I'm sure Scott is alluding to. Is Wistful? Yeah, which, wist, I mean, Wistful is the right name for it. It's a beer that was brewed two and a half years ago when we thought putting a beer into a barrel at 17 Play-Doh was, like, pretty wild. <laughs> That's what it went in at? I, it was 16 and a half or 17, it I want to say. It's a big beer. It was a big beer. I mean, it still is a big beer, okay. but back then we were like, all right, we're really pushing. Yeah. We're pushing and now we're like, should we should we top 30 for the next one? Yeah, it's I mean, not, like, not literally, oh my but God. I was, we've I, got beer and barrels at 23 Play-Doh. Mm-hmm. We're probably going to put some in at 25 Play-Doh. And... Yeah, it just where, where does it end? Where what, does it start? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> like the actual beer, <laughs> the actual beer, forty Both. to forty-five Play-Doh. We've got to be careful with that one because there's some legal legalities that might yeah. come in on. <laughs> I mean, thirty-five yeah, Play-Doh, thirty in the tw- in the twenties. It'll no, be actually that's totally great though. I would, one out. of the things the Gale did was we yeah. increased the ABV limit to nineteen and a half percent. Absolutely, because when I first got into industry in Iowa, like it was way lower. Than it was that. six. Yeah, it was six. It's yeah, crazy. For a while there, it was six, and then we got it uh, up 
for a while there, it was weird because it was alcohol by weight, and you had to do mm. a conversion, and then they finally codified it by volume. And uh, wow, that's wild. But now we're at nineteen and a half, and honestly, it was, I was part of the negotiations to get it at nineteen and a half, and we would have gone higher if they could. But no yeast is going to go higher than that. It's hard, I don't think you can get a beer at up to nineteen and a half without some sort of distillation or. Uh, maybe there'll be some genetically modified super yeast that comes the out or something. The sirens are on hey, our end. So everyone knows. That's, uh, that's coming, though. <laughs> I mean, with We the... are next to a hospital. The, 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 the largest hospital campus in Des Moines is right there, so I'm sure it's really that. But, that's yeah, that's coming up January 1. Yeah. They're, well, I'm, GMOs, too. I mean, they're, oh, there's, they're there's, a, there's a huge – there's I'm, I wouldn't say huge, but there's becoming a – uh, quite the culture around them, I suppose. Like, I mean, like IPAs were kind of changed in the last 18 months, right? With those stylized yeasts. Like, I won't say completely, but I mean, like, it's a different option yeah, that people right. are being very attracted to. Um, that the collab we brewed together that no one will ever know about because it's not on the label was a uh, stylized yeast strain. Just, just it was, keep, yeah. Keep bringing it up. Yeah. What's well, yeah. crazy about that? The stylized yeast strains and stuff. I just we're so we're so. Uh, such a guilty conscience. I, I forgive you guys. I know I we're for, running I long on this, seven probably. But uh, are we are we running long on this? No, uh, oh, we're, oh, we're, wow. we're great. We're good. See, we got five more say. hours. But uh, one of the crazy things that about these stylized yeasts is I tried that beer for the first time and I was like, holy hell, this has the exact similar flavor of. I well, I just collabed with James here and we used the new, uh, the stylized Mexican lager strain from Omega called Lunar Crush. Yeah. Um, and we put that into the tank before I gotten a chance to try this. And I was like, holy hell, this grapefruit, dank fruit flavor that's in this beer, like sort of passion fruit guava thing going on, is in this lager already. <laughs> like, that same sort of flavor can come through on both. No dry hops, like, so the only thing in this Vienna lager right now is just mash hopping. And through to the end, even with the dry hopping, I don't know how much you guys did, on Prox Proxima, right? Yeah. Uh, you, there was this flavor connection between the two, and I'm like, there it is. That's the that's part of how it's coming through. Is this grapey, sometimes grapey, sometimes uh, more tropical fruit flavor that's coming through? I'm like, the connection there is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, those beers in fermentation, we've used that yeast smell like wine by day four, day five. Very when, venous. When you guys had boom slang before you dry hopped it, mm -hmm. if I was blindfolded. And that had like some oh, yeah, carbonation right. on that. there. Yeah. yeah, I would have sworn it was a Sauvignon Blanc. Mm -hmm. It's it was insane. It's insane. frustrating with that that yeast strain to to see what the beer is in the tank, and then once you dry hop it, and there's been a lot of studies on and, yeah. and Scott Janish, some one of those of our out, good friends, yeah. talks a lot about it. Uh, that, Shout out Scott Janish. Yeah, thanks for coming to the Brewers Guild Bobby? Education Seminar. See you in a couple months. Uh, <laughs> but. The the fact they the speculation is that the the solid matter mm -hmm. uh, pulls the thiols out with it. It's sure. just frustrating. You're trying to figure out. Okay, this beer was better two weeks ago. Yeah. How do we capture that? We've had the same experience. Lucas and I at Flicks. We we had this uh, beautiful beer in the tank, and it had such great wine notes to it. And as soon as we added hops to it, it just it lost some of that. And and, and, and I don't know if it's an amount per barrel that, like, what's the threshold on how much you want to take? And they're like, I know Omega's like, dump stuff as soon as possible, make sure stuff's not in there, don't overhop things. But, like, 
you need to make sure you're not over hopping these beers because you're going to blow like you're absolutely it attaches itself to the green matter in the hops and just pulls it out of solution because it's it's fairly like not volatile is not the right word but it can bind itself to things and just come out of the beer so easily that you want to protect those flavors so it almost makes more sense to stop doing these things or add different things in ipas or use it differently yeah Um, i i come from like a it's almost like superstition like make this hazy beer damn what if i don't dry hop it even though it tastes amazing in the tank it's like what if you put it into a instead oh boy yeah, we cut that part out. That's our secret. <laughs> it's the airplane. As little as you know, he's. Oh, I know. Yeah, it'd be amazing. Jeez. That's good. Nobody heard that because of the airplane. Yeah, guys, we're putting our Vienna Lager that we're gonna change to a lunar lager. Early-aged IPAs and Vienna Lagers coming 2025. Yeah, can't even. Okay, call Blackstack it. had a fooder-aged Pilsner. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. But the lager that we made was supposed to be a Vienna lager, like a la Negro Modelo, right? Mm -hmm. Like that type of Vienna lager. With this yeast, we can't even call that just because of how fruity and insane the beer is anymore. And that's what we've looked at. I struggle to see where thylized lager yeast fits in because of that, right? Like, what is a lager? It is a super, super clean. Yeah. uh, And so I think we, but. I, I don't say that in a disparaging way. Just we we need to try it and see what it's like and see how, because I bet that beer is going to be super fun to drink. It's and I'm going to come. I'm going to come drink it and. It's uh, weird. It's yeah, crazy. That's what I mean. It's like, different. It's it's way different. And I mean like, what it's like is the a next stage up from a hoppy lager? What are yeah you know, exactly? Is that if, if that's Pilsner. where lagers are going and you're seeing more and more and more of them, Confluence yeah. puts one out. You know, it seems like every two months they're putting out a hoppy lager. It's like, that's probably where that's better utilized is in that aspect for at least if you call it that, that's better. And but for traditional styles and stuff, I mean, it definitely doesn't fit any of those anymore. And it's just like, so how should it be used? What? And I guess it's all based off of what do the people and the guests want to drink? Now, do they want something that's 5%? It's lager, so obviously it's a little bit, you know, less grain, less stuff, potentially less calories, less alcohol, but they want that fruit flavor or that hot flavor of some of these IPAs, right? Um, and, you know, double hazy IPA, not low on the calorie part, or the, like because you're putting so much grain, other adjuncts, all that stuff in there. Um, is that what the people want? Yeah, I mean, that's a game we're playing, right? It's just like we got to experiment to try stuff to see what even people want to drink or sure. what they're feeling. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's... That is the 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 eternal mouse to chase, right? Is making things that people want to buy. That Even, is the business or, that or we're convi- in. I think something we've embraced is convincing them that they need to, to drink what your pack. Like we do our Kolsch day. Oh, very and people good come and drink our Kolsch. But yeah, you're right. We're always chasing. Uh, it's a combination of drink this. It's really cool. We think it's cool and you should drink it. Oh, versus, yeah. Um, yeah, framing is huge, for sure. You, yeah. It's not just embracing culture, it's creating culture, too. Yeah, it's that's the scarier part, though. Is Yeah, like, the Kolsch is a great example of something that we're, like, made with Fair State, and we really wanted to make it. And then it was this evolution of 
man. I wish we could go back and see how that our Kolsch day. We, we serve like beer like they do in Kolsch, which is sort of unique. It's a whole event. And I wish we could go back and see how that... I don't remember whose idea it was, how we decided to do it. I don't either. I'm sure it's something that we saw somebody else do, yeah, which is craft beer. Man, <laughs> that's what... That's, that's, uh, that is that's that is 100% right. Although that one I, like sticks to my heart. I'm like, I don't it, know if anyone else... It felt like something yeah, I don't... God, I don't remember. But you're right. Like everything we do. I don't think anyone else in We're, Iowa earlier, specifically is doing it up like you guys well, are. So. Instagram No, I def- definitely not at, at that point. Yeah, last year, It's amazing, though. You're getting so many people here. You're building hype and an event around such a traditional style that people are coming out that would not normally come out to an event. And they're drinking Kolsch out of a, a 10-ounce like glass. And mm-hmm. like like these people are here for it. I mean, it was amazing, too, on top of that. But the event around it was crazy. There were so many people here. I think they're just here for the Spätzle. Spätzle. Yeah, absolutely. The the Spätzle. The Kartoffel Puffer. Oh, that did (laughs) slap. It did slap. The the Kartoffel, yeah. Uh, Potato. Potato Potato cakes. Potato cakes. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I think, yeah, that's, again, one of those. There's a few things that we talked about before we opened this place. And a lot of things that we talked about they don't materialize for a lot of reasons because you realize you, you learn a lot when you yeah, open we a brewery. <laughs> we didn't know um, what we were doing. But, uh, I mean, that's one of those things that we really uh, had some intention towards is, is wanting to to bring some European beer culture to to Des Moines and not saying that it wasn't here already, but just finding finding our niche in that. And I think that our, our Oktoberfest is, is ostensibly the event that we put invest yeah. the most of our time and resources into every year besides our anniversary and and it's because we want to i mean like yeah. there are things that are important to us that that we really just genuinely enjoy and it's we're very fortunate that people have have met us there in the middle and 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 kind of bought into our our kind of romantic bullshit to, to yeah. an extent hey, to be we're, roma- we're be romantics they yeah, yeah i mean that's that's just one of those things that you we're i feel very fortunate that we had it in our mind that we wanted to do it, and we've been lucky enough that people have, have supported yeah. us in that. So, yeah, it's. I mean, Kolsch Day was. I was on my birthday last year, and it was one of my best birthdays, Ooh. if not my my most favorite birthday that I can remember. <laughs> we were, last year, we were so shocked because it's Kolsch Day, and for a barrel aged stout, people are going to come out, and for uh, push pops, people are going to come out. But we had Kolsch Day, and we thought it was on a Thursday night, and we we're like, okay, maybe some people will come for it, and we were. Our patio was full. We were on a wait for six hours, starting at three o'clock until Whoa. nine o'clock, and we were selling lager beer. And we went through eight kegs of lager beer on a Thursday night, and it was it was crazy. So yeah, I remember that. That that's a day that will always I'll always remember as like holy shit. We this. were marking our hands with all the cultures that we drank because we didn't have coasters because we were still working. We were still working, <laughs> but we were slamming. You said 10 ounces earlier. They're 8 ounces, so they're tiny, and we were just slamming. The Kolsch. whole glass is technically 10, but the line is 8 ounces. I think, though, right? Right. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Stange. Those, those well, events are not pronounced that way, but. are really, 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 really fun. Um, yeah, just again, speak to the adaptability of just trying to do, do new and different things and, and constantly feeling like you're reinventing what you're doing but having those sort of we're going to do Kolsch Day we're going to do Oktoberfest those are things that we care about that we're going to do yeah it's cool that something new and different doesn't necessarily mean something weird with beer where you're just bringing back something that was popular somewhere else and yeah, people it ask to us town. on that like hey where'd you get the idea to do that and we're like, 
cologne. They've been doing it that way for they've been doing that that way for hundreds of years. That's they they figured out that was the best way to serve beer there, and so they did it. And so then we just stole it. And but in, it's that fun thing too, where you get to it's kind of like we were talking about with like you have the the exciting thing about craft beer. Somebody comes in and instead of just selling them an amber ale, you have a chance to educate them a little bit and and maybe enhance their experience so they can can appreciate the deeper roots of the beers that they are enjoying or the reason that they're enjoying them or where they come from or what they are. Totally. And those educational edutainment sort of moments of of doing Kolsch Day and getting to show people that this is, you know, a fun event and it's a little bit of of culture and history and, and a lot of things that are kind of wholesome and, and nice and make me make us all feel good <laughs> and more of a more of a community for sure, which again I think after the last three years and and the ups and downs of uh, existing through a pandemic, it's fun to kind of feel a little safer to be able to have events like that yeah. and, and have a bunch of people hanging out on the patio having a good time because that's that's really what you know. I think again, being a brew pub is is all about for us. Community. Yeah. Making lager and community. Oh that's man, I love both. It it really speaks to the history of Iowa beer as well. Speaking, I mean. Cordav would know about history of Iowa beer. I, I want to say the second longest, the second oldest continually operating brewery in Iowa. Second or third? It's it's Millstream is the oldest. Millstream is the oldest, yeah. And then Front Street, I think, is one of them. Yeah. Yeah, and you guys are the '90s, right? '96. '96. Wow. Well, brew mm-hmm. pub wise, though, I mean, Millstream didn't operate as a brew pub, though. I have no, no idea. Millstream is the longest operating brewery of any yeah. kind. Uh, yeah. In Iowa. Brew yeah. Pub, and probably at one point, Front Street. In 1985, they were the only brewery in Iowa. For real? Yeah. Oh the wow. The only brewery in Iowa, and then even in 1996, I think there were three. And now Raccoon River at, would at the have turn been one at of the them. turn of the at the turn of the millennium, it was single digits still, mm-hmm. and now we're up to like 120. And, yeah. Uh, Which is crazy. And that's 20 years. just barely surpassing pre-prohibition levels right. of breweries. That's the crazy thing. Pre-prohibition. We had over 100 breweries in Iowa. Wow. Basically, every single c- county had their own brewery, and they yep. only supplied beer to that county. Yeah, I was going to say, it might, it, might pass, it might pass number of breweries, but I doubt it passes number of production. So that's the other crazy thing about well, yeah, but pre-prohibition. We had, we had Dubuque Star, so I, yeah, production. Production in was Iowa was huge. nuts in brewing, yeah. so... Well, I mean, you you literally had to have a campus, right? Mm-hmm. You had like you had literally Coopers, a nice room. You had you, know, you did yeah. a lot of your own milling for sure. Yeah, I mean, like a, they were line. they were probably doing it like you know English style, where it's slightly unfinished beer. It finished at the pub. Well, how dare you? It was finished as much as they wanted it to be finished. So <laughs> no, I, according I, to those I, times, it was finished. No, no, no. I mean, finished <laughs> to how it needed to be, but it would finish at the pub, right? And they right, would use yeah. a, a. We know what we're all talking about here. Yeah, but I'm just giving you crap. I know, but do you, so you guys, you guys love to do your, you have, you have uh, Kingmaker Oktoberfest. Do you think you guys would ever do like an English style day? Oh man, that's just, I don't know. It's something uh, that I feel less confident in or know yeah. less about, to be honest. It's kind of a jumping off point. The, just a barley wine day? You know, I think yeah. where we've looked to that Coming is, up, is where, where culture of, I, I am a huge beer historian. I love to, to read about beer history. And where culture has evolved around beer, it's certainly evolved that way in England and in the UK. Mm-hmm. But 
there's less romantic traditions around it than you see in, for instance, Germany. Sure. And so we could do it in England. I think that's a really, we have some like uh, hollow and frail beers yeah. mentioned earlier, are English style beers, but sort of just saying, hey, we're releasing them on this day. How do we turn it into a fun event that, that people have fun with? No, is it put, no, put beans on everything. Now, is it yeah, not romantic beans. because canned of... Canned beans. Only Campbell's <laughs> canned beans. Now, is it not romantic those, because those the history Heinz is beans. not as long? Or is it not romantic because every single town in existence has a quote-unquote English pub that has become blown out and it's just like the, ugh, I'm tired of this thing. Well, Germans, for whatever reason, just develop so many romantic traditions around beer. But yeah, I think you're right. Like, there's too many... Uh, you know the Grundy like, t- the Grundy tanks, which you guys would know all too well over at Court Avenue Brewery. You guys operate very similar to a. You're coming uh, at me hard right now. To a 19th. <laughs> that is not. That is not a. Uh, I've been the Grundy life for a long time. Yeah, that is not <laughs> yeah, a. It's no, not a criticism. That's uh, <laughs> the, just the 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 culture around beer uh, was a little different, I think. But I'm sure there are some English traditions I don't know about that would be really cool to replicate here. Or, or we could make a fun day out of it. It, may, it makes me think that we need to brainstorm. I'll do some research and try to find... Uh, I love beer history. Like the, the idea that wars were fought around beer or that uh, beer as sustenance or beer as culture building, or it, like the, the not proven theory, but maybe true that civilization became civilization yeah. because of beer. Mm-hmm. Those I mean, there's beer on fascinating. There's beer on stone things for taxes based off of stuff in yeah. like taxes, Sumeria and Egypt. Yeah. That's, I mean, the, the whole reason Porter exists at all is because of taxes mm-hmm. in England and that you oh, pay wow. taxes based on certain things. Porter's named after worker Porter. Yep. It, yeah, there's, sure. There's, yeah. Like, the well, history of beer is, Porter, right, is a, is a more strongly yeah, it's higher so it's, ABD yeah, Porter. Yeah. Yeah. Porter, yeah. But well, yeah, that how, how taxation and how monarchies changed beer. The there's no beverage quite like it, uh, or really almost any anything. It, it's just incredible. Well, with the Germans and, you know, the Austrians, Belgians, you know, how it, it all started in the monasteries. Mm-hmm. And then they they moved out of that when people were like, well, I'd like to brew beer, but I don't want, I don't have to, like, I don't want to rock up to Sunday school There's <laughs> buy, and buy two cases, you know? I don't it's want like, to wear robes while I do it. Yeah, it's like, <clears throat> and where it came from there and, like, like you're saying, like royalty too, you know, like saying, like, well, yeah, I guess, I guess you can brew some beer. Um, damn, I'm gonna need a lot of it and your money. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> so this is how it's gonna work. Even yeah. even American tradition and history, right? Like we had a rich history of Germans coming over. I mean, that's where a lot of the American tradition of brewing came from. Was yeah, well, North American, American, right? Yeah, like yeah. I said, Negro Modelo earlier is a Vienna Lager. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, and that's one of the world's like. So if you go back in the history of Vienna Lager. And I had to do a weird deep dive on this. I was like, that's like one of the world's prominent examples of what the style was when it was brought over because there's not a lot of examples of the style from the original place that it came from. I think in the BJCP book for a while there, it was, uh, maybe getting this wrong, but I want to say it was Negro Modelo and Shieldbrow Amber as two uh, prominent examples of Vienna lagers. Really? I I believe you're correct. Yeah. In the the 2015, I believe that was the case. I know they just... uh, which yeah. is crazy that they only update it, like really update it every yeah. five years, which is insane. Oh, yeah. But like a, now, a, but a stalwart I would, Iowa beer. I would have expected Shell's Firebrick to be on that list. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. When but, I worked at El Bay, that was a huge seller. Love Shell's. Yeah, talking about history yeah. in Iowa, there's so much beer history. It's crazy. It's just like, and also a lot of the, the reasons the breweries had to close, not only because Prohibition, even afterwards, the only ones that could survive were the ones that didn't have to tear all their metal down and donate it to the war efforts and stuff. Yeah. There's there's a lot of things See, surrounding that. I didn't even know like history of beer in Iowa. I'm not even that uh, f- 
it's fascinating. I have a book I can. Uh, someone sent us like ten years ago. I would love to. Read Some guy that book. wrote it. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll give it to you. Beer has absolutely changed civilization and history. It's it's crazy everything that that beer has done and. We're, we're in a unique position that we get to benefit off of all the work and the trials and the tribulations these people got to do. Yeah, that's no, we got a, we got now, an Iowa beer fact. Hang on. Well, there were more uh, German-speaking newspapers uh, leading up to, like, World War One and Two in Iowa than English-speaking. So the tradition of German beer in the state had to have been uh, comparable as well, I would think. And you know how upset German brewers initially when they came here and they're like, wait a minute, you're, you want to put corn and rice in there? I don't know about that. Blasphemous. Yeah. Thanks, Mr. Budweiser. <laughs> Thanks, Bud. I was going to, there's two <laughs> things we haven't done a whole lot of here at Lua. We haven't really put corn in beer, although we did do a corn kolsch. Uh, Which beer was that? Kranken King Foamers. Oh, yeah. oh, I do like that beer. And we haven't done much Belgian beer, and I don't know why. Are you guys, do you guys like Belgian beer? I hate it. I hate it. Damn, I almost got on this. Nathan is giving a huge thumbs down. Yeah. Oh, it's the it's the truck. He, oh, wow. he he hates no. Belgian beer too. No I love Lam- to I love Lambic. I love Lambic. I love Belgian styles. I hate Monast Trappist style ales. Roquefort really? Roquefort Ten was one of my favorite Belgian, beers of all time. Yeah. Not even like like their table beers. Oh, you talk oh, about yeah, table lo- beers. Love table beers. I love. Um, That's one of their original beers. Uh, was table beers though. Uh, what's the Taurus Balba? Stellarta. Tell us Taurus Balba. Stellarta. Zach introduced me to Taurus Balba. Um, like. Two we years, got, we three got years a ago, keg we got of it during shutdown, and I never had it, and that beer blew me it's away. Phenomenal. So is I it a table say, beer? Brasserie de la Seine. Uh, yeah, it's it's, the, a, it's a very hoppy, interesting bastardized like hoppy, hoppy golden. There's definitely some bread influence. Yeah, it's but and it's like all amarillo. It's a really wild beer, but it's phenomenal. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, but like Brower's beers in general, like a huge thing, and like mm-hmm. for Belgian brewers, like, like Patter's beer. beer? Yeah. Like there's tons of examples, but like. Three percent, just mm-hmm. like I think I should clarify too when I say hate down. Belgian beer. I think Belgians make the best beer in the world and also the worst beer in the world. I think that's I, I love I, know, I'm I love Belgian beer, but I I also understand that you're not going to brew like Grodziski. People don't. You guys aren't going to brew a quad and put it. I know. I just said we a lot pr- of stuff. We will. I, I we generally will. don't like Belgian beer. <laughs> I love it. I do. I yeah. Like I said, Roquefort is one of my favorite beers. Yeah. Um, Orval mm. is is is. A, I love Orval. Orval's a definitional the, the tra- beer is that for a me. Trappist? Is that kind of it's a Trappist? Absolutely, uh, yeah. isn't it? Quads, doubles. But Orval. I'm in. Orval's a bread yeah, beer. Yeah. Uh, doubles. Uh, doubles. Chimay quads. Blue. I'm in, but then mm. Trapels, I took a long time for me to even start, even even like, mm-hmm. eh, it's fine. Belgian and then strong, like yeah. Belgian Golden Strong, Belgian Strong Darks, all that sort of stuff. Those flavors are so intense, and I'm like, ah, oh, it took it took a long time for me to even get into it. And I, the only reason I even started drinking them was because uh, the previous brewer at Flix, Mike Gautier, uh, made a ton of them. I'm like, and I was like, I hate, <laughs> I hate this, but you love brewing them, so I'm gonna try to appreciate them. So I started trying to drink more and more and more to just even wrap my head around it. And to this day, like, they're not my favorite, but they're not, like, I don't actively, passionately hate them like I did before either. Do you guys still make them? Yeah, I mean, actually, we just won um, a silver medal at a competition oh, for a Trapel. Congrats, uh, that's called awesome. Triwizard. Thank you. Yeah, and then. Um, after Mike left, we rebrewed the bourbon barrel aged quad called Quadzilla, slightly different recipe, and that won a medal somewhere too. Wow. I forget where it was, but like, so we're still making them. It's just 
sometimes it's hard for me and maybe Lucas even to like judge like is this beer worth entering a competition because I actively don't like I don't, I'm not the craziest <laughs> fan of this beer so I don't know how judges would think of this beer because I'm like sure. it's not my favorite style so it's hard to be like this is a beer we should definitely enter to competition because it's amazing right because like, I don't but you can still be proud of something that you don't yeah. personally right, like yeah. right like, for sure yeah you you know that it, it maybe fits the stylistic sort of benchmark set I mean that's we we actually struggle with that a lot about what beers we should enter like we love our Keller beers but we also know that those won't score yeah. well in Keller beer categories we entered Gills Pills this year but it's unfiltered it's not gonna yeah it's it's got no shot with but <laughs> It's also it based off of where it hits we have, the... We have a real reckless disregard for... Uh, style guidelines? Uh, style guidelines, yeah. profitability, things that uh, that would probably make it. But we do what we like, and hopefully people like it. We still haven't, still haven't made any Belgian beer, though. No. Except, except Saison. That's because... Which I guess is French. French. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, Franco-Belgian. French. Yeah, it's close. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love I do French love with beer. Lambic... Uh, inspired got, bacteria and culture. Mm-hmm. Lucas is in. He's here. What's well, up? Not not to part the kimono too much, but on one of our recent <laughs> uh, metal wins, we had a, a, a black IPA that we brewed that was phenomenal. It was kind of a... Are you talking about a Cascadian uh, yeah, dark CDA. CDA. Um, but we, we kind of brewed it with the, the mindset of like, okay, black IPA, but, uh, New England style. So we did like some juicy hops, a lot of like deep, deep, well, yeah, a little bit like debittered black, uh, malt, things like that. Um, and come, come contest season, we were like, well, the hops are starting to fall off. Uh, the, the, you know, espresso quality of the, the malt is starting to express itself a little more. So, it's exactly you what know, <laughs> is it an American stout? Sounds and, like a stout. And uh, the U.S. Beer Open gave us a third gave place a, medal no. for, uh, <laughs> for a black oh, IPA. American uh, stout, which was a black IPA. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you Wait. just got to play that game as well where it's just like, it's okay. nimble. It, it's you nimble know, right it, there. Yeah. Now, we just entered our third uh, competition, but our second one, we forgot to send the beer. The Great so American? We, yes, we're in the, we, we entered GABF last year. We entered CBC this year and forgot to send the beer. The only way you can guarantee that you don't win is yeah. if you don't send the beer. Yeah. yeah, and and if you and if you pay and don't send the beer, that's <laughs> even better. Almost did that for San Diego at Flicks. We yeah. had to send it out on Monday, and it was due there today. Without, yeah, that's it's that's wow. a common. It's a it's a tales of time, right? Yeah. But we did get the beers this year, mm-hmm. so we got some entered. We've got uh, no shot to win on any of those. What do you, what, you guys? Do you guys yeah. What do you guys mind asking? By this uh, t- the time this yeah. comes out, the awards might be happening like close. Yeah, I want to say I think this is coming mild out at the end porter. of October. Mild yeah, we entered porter. mild porter, uh, German pilsner, Gills pills, half, half, woo, and dunkel. Yeah, dunkel. Our Which dunkel is not Dan dunkel. Okay. Does not no, meet no, the American not. definition. No, of it. it's no, not. No, no, it's no, not no. dark enough. It's more like a oh, like a polliner dunkel, also, like a dunkel, amber. Amazing beer. Came here. I think if it was the same batch, uh, came here day it released, day, day it released, and I was like, ah oh, man, this beer's so good. Drinking it at the bar, Lucas and I are just sitting there drinking this beer at the bar. Scott walks in and goes, "What are you drinking?" And it must have been the slight, like, kind of towards the bottom of a keg because it wasn't exactly the way oh, it was supposed to look. This. And he literally takes the beer from us, dumps it out, and then pours <laughs> us a new, a new round of beers. And I was like, oh, it tasted great. I was enjoying this. I remember that. It was murky. Yeah, it was the end it of the keg. It was super murky. No, though. I went and changed the keg, and, and got yet. But that's that's uh, 
yeah, I don't know. It's all part of it, you know. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm also a brewer and it tasted great. And I, in know? fact, I don't think I dumped it out. I think I gave you a, uh, I think I gave you one the how it was supposed to look and set it next to it and then said you can drink the other one too if you want. <laughs> I think is what I did. I think I remember that right. Maybe I, mean, I, I think you might it. be right. You might be right. I, I I remember you just being appalled by the fact that we were drinking it and enjoying it and like not yeah. caring about how it looked. Because I think you were like, what do you think? How's it look? And then you looked at it, and you were like, oof, that's not. That's and I was like, it. no, it's fine. Don't do it. It's not the big, yeah. Yeah, that's been that was a, great. We've been keg conditioning some of our loggers. Yeah. We'll finish the last couple of weeks of loggering in the kegs. Yeah. And it's, we get, but, we I get mean, that. it's like, what, eight weeks and eight weeks of loggering in the tank, and then a couple weeks. No, no, that's not true on Dan's. No, Dan's, Dan's, was, Dan's we loggered for like 19 weeks in the tank. Yep. In wow. the tank? Well, it was, it we was brewed like it. 14 or 15, We brewed it over the winter, and we didn't really need the beer, and we didn't really need the tank. And so we just said, until we need it, let's yeah. let I mean, it we, go. We really didn't hit our actual production sort of like cap until this summer. I <sighs> this mean, summer, we, yeah. We, yeah. Until we started putting beer in cans and really seeing how much beer we could make and kind of setting goals around production, it was really brewing. I mean, we, we have 20 barrel tanks, so it's not hard for us to keep the tap room satiated, I guess. Now, for so, cans right now, you're bringing in yeah. somebody from Minnesota. But that was, and it that was a 19 yep. month or 19 right. week beer. I had looked, at, I remember looking that was one a 19? up. But yeah, so yeah, wow. for cans. You're bringing somebody in from Minnesota down, right? Yep, Ironheart. Yeah. They're yeah. uh, they're phenomenal. Do you guys there. have any goals on bringing in like a, a system for yourselves? I know the space is starting to get really limited with what you're at, but like, is there an idea, a thought on bringing in the canning line? I mean, you don't have to talk about. It. We could also cut this. I'm also just very curious right. on if that's in the in the future. Yeah, we, yeah, we'd love to. It's just we don't have the space, and especially we don't have the space to do it the way that we'd like to, mm-hmm. sure. which is to bring in. They bring in. They bring down a wild goose 250. Yep. They hook it up. We we run do numbers. We're in the teens. There's there's just no way that we could Damn. run it as well on our own with the space constraints that we have because mm-hmm. we don't have any place to store it. Because they're also bringing employees down to help run it too, yeah, right? Yeah, and we could we could do, uh, probably do that part of it, um, but the space, the storing, and so we pay a lot to have them come down, but they do a great job. We mm-hmm. really like them, and there's we would love to have our own canning line, and, and that's something that we'll look into, but um, I don't know how we, how we get there. I mean, we're, yeah, so things are just, again, I keep going back to adaptability, but things are just incredibly fluid for us and have been yeah. for the last three years. So now we're looking at kind of the next phase of of our existence as Lou and as an as an ownership group is opening now a second restaurant. We're in the process of, and so that changes now a lot for us in terms of like where our beer is going to go. So now yeah. we're like canning a good amount of beer. We're going to be canning even more beer through the winter, but now anticipating probably canning potentially no beer next summer. Yeah, depending oh, really? on how this this next restaurant goes. So, so. With, yeah. the, with this second place, are you? Is that a, like a Lua exclusive? Like you guys are going to do all the taps there? No, or? not all of them. but no. we will have yeah. a lot. Hey, of I know some guys that would love to have beer on tap there. Yeah, and <laughs> come judge it for us. That's fine. We know some guys that would love to serve your beer. Oh. As it turns out, oh, oh, oh damn. this is match made in heaven. I promise yeah. I'll pronounce a equinot right for you. <laughs> oh, man, this, oh man. I had forgotten about that. Call I haven't, because like. I was going to call, call you out for pronouncing some German word wrong. <laughs> what word? I don't remember. Oh. I missed it in the <laughs> I moment. I was going to jump in and harp on him. Huh? Oh, it was the Kolsch glass. Stange? St- yeah, I was said Stange. Is it Stange? Yeah, I, like, I mean, that, I, I don't think I there's a hard A in German, but I'm not a German speaker. Is it a hard K? 
Yeah, I'm not a, a K, a it's that, a G. I'm not a person that spells things wrong on purpose to avoid uh, a Shane Knifer callback. If there's an E, well, in German you would pronounce the K. Like Kneipe, which is like a theater. Or a bar. Uh, a bar is a kneipe, and then if there's an e at the end of a German word, you pronounce that too. That's stressful. Like Scheiße. Germanic languages yeah. are beautiful. Yeah. Scheiße. Incredibly beautiful. beautiful. Is not like the it's word I would beer, which uh, I think uh, Confluence is releasing this week. Yeah. They might as well add oh, one. They did one too, add, yeah. add another beer to the collection of phenomenal style. Talk yeah. about true to style beers that they make. Gosh. Shout out Stuck to it. Confluence for I just love being those dope. Guys. Kill it. I know. Kill everything. You guys did a fest beer with them too, right? Yeah, I can't wait to try. Two it. years yeah. in a row, right? Mm-hmm. They keep every time I've I've gone over there three or four times this week. Uh, they keep talking about how good the fest beer is, and every time it's like, okay, before you leave, we got to try it. And then either I forget or they're busy, and I haven't got to try it yet. I'm really excited to try. We well, should fest be beer. really looking forward to that. Some dudes called the Metro Brewers Alliance collaboration with them uh, coming out in October for the anniversary too. A secret sort of super group of. Brewing superheroes? Yeah, I haven't heard of them. You guys aren't allowed to be in it. You're too cool. No, we were on the page. Flash the the Metro Brewers Alliance. We uh, just we did just kind of pseudo add some other breweries recently. That's true. We did. That's always growing. We're always growing. We're always growing. It's not one of the new brewers guild. That's not a guild. It's not formal yet. But uh, Hesleg, Alluvial, and uh, Fenceline. Those places aren't in the metro yeah, area. N- well, well, neither is Reclaimed or Brightside. Fenceline, <laughs> they're on the border of that. Where was, would Alluvial, you say they're on the fence? Alluvial is outside <laughs> of the so metro. It's the Metro so Brewers Hesleg, Alliance. Yeah. So it's the Metro Brewers and their alliance. We can define the alliance this, however we want to define DC it. Is this DC or Marvel? Yes. This is, uh, this this is, is the, uh, the, the But that, that implies that the only people that are in the alliance are the, it's the a crossover. Metro the only ones you would think so, but you're yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah, the guys, vassal states. Do you yeah. guys want to drink some barrel aged stout if I grab a bottle? I would Listen, love. Zach, absolutely yes. All right, excuse me. Let's try You're not allowed to leave until you have this stout. Also, when does your kitchen close? Because my wife probably wants food. Our kitchen nice. closes at 9 p.m. Well, it you closes in hour. 36 minutes. Sounds like I'm going to put an order in on. Yeah. Oh. Hey listeners, we're back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Vorlaf Hour. We got a few barrel-aged beers here from our friend Zach and Scott from Lua. We're talking about Wistful Number One. This is getting weird. <laughs> well, it's it's only Step weird if you make it weird. <laughs> it's only weird if you make it weird. It's uh, not us. It's not our fault. So Wistful Number One. What'd Bar- you pour for us here, Zach? Barrel-aged stout. Uh, collaboration with Pulp Rock. Um... Yeah, the approach was pretty simple. We we brewed a beer with these guys. Uh, it would have been 28 months ago we probably brewed it and put it into barrels uh, July of 2020 um, and just pulled it out uh, very recently. Uh, barrel number one is uh, a stout that rested in a Buffalo Trace barrel. Um, yeah, it's, uh, to me, they're, they're very dynamic, very different beers. And so that's kind of the fun, exciting thing about uh, releasing beer this way is um, getting to sort of showcase the raw ingredients that we use and and highlight the barrels themselves, because I think these beers are both very barrel expressive. Um, Would you recommend when people get this pack that they should drink them back to back? Wistful one and two, uh, as we're about to do. Yeah. Yeah. I would start with one and then go into two. And uh, yeah. By the time 
this comes out, we'll have already released the beer. But if you come on yeah. Friday, if they come on Friday, if they, they can, come on Friday, they can try them both on tap. They can take their bottles home, and then they can pick which one they want to open at a special occasion. But uh, yeah, I think opening them side by side, same beer, same time, same spot in the brewery. They were next to each other. It's just barrel. It barrels the difference. Yeah, we we yeah controlled almost all variables except the barrel. Dang. Yeah. So, and so when should people drink Grackle? Immediately. Grackle is the other beer coming out on Friday. That yeah. is a pastry stout, non-barrel aged, and that should be drank ASAP. So I, I mean, question. it'll be fine to drink in six months. It just won't be as good. Those mm-hmm. beers are sure. better better fresh. Now, so if I say I still have a bottle. And if you store it, cellar temperature is not a thing. Store it at 32 degrees. Keep as close to 32 degrees. cold. It's not going to explode. That's not why. Just every beer is better stored cold. Don't mm-hmm. store Consistently it at 55. Cold. Now, if your cellar is the coldest you can keep it, that's, you know, that's what the original cellars were for, right? That's great. You keep it yes. underground at a consistent temperature constant. That's why it was cellar temp before. Yeah. If that's the best you got, then They didn't have refrigerators. But if you think that putting it, Put it in, in the a 60-degree closet is going to be better for the beer than your fridge, then you're dead wrong. i got a question for you. So, of the two beers, and Wistful Number 1 is what we're having now, do you... If if they weren't if the if you were tasting them and I don't know how often you were tasting them I assume you were having them out of a, a vinny nail uh, every now and then to mm-hmm. taste it if one was ready to go before the other would you have put them out at different times or what was the thought about putting them out at the same time and then did you think it would take this long for them to come out <laughs> I mean you make it sound so intentional <laughs> yeah I, yeah I think if one was ready to go before the other we we would have and part of this batch of beer is still in barrels those oh ones really we didn't think mm-hmm. we're ready yet but um you know, most of it is just when can we find time to taste a barrel sometimes we'll go six to eight months without tasting the same barrel mm-hmm. because we just don't we it takes it takes time to to analyze and do it and so it's intentional but it's also serendipitous serendipitous yeah, yeah. Like a lot of things and when you're tasting through those two barrels are you tasting through all the barrels or are you guys picking one barrel to taste, this barrel to taste, or these two because they were brewed at the same time? Are you tasting like, do you do a, like a barrel flight of everything? Do you have like a barrel day when you're tasting through all of your barrel stock or? I think, we ta- we taste, I think yeah. five is sort of the cap of like yeah. the palate sort of gets kind Real of tired but we at know, that point. We know that we're probably at two years in a barrel aged beer oh, or wow. around there before it's going to be ready. And so we yeah, might I mean, taste it at a year and mm-hmm. knowing it's not going to be ready, but checking in on it, making sure there's nothing wrong with it, making sure we don't need to dump it. We've Pre- never tasted a beer at less than 12 months, just as a hard rule. We Pre- just oh, wow. don't. Pretend just- it's 2013. Mm-hmm. Would you wait that long to taste it or would you be putting that beer out? Because I feel like the, the old thought was... I'm doing over some, a year. It's starting to get worse. I'm doing some madhouse stuff, and I'm releasing it at uh, month uh, four. Hey, if you get a fresh, fresh, wet barrel, RIP. Pour one out. <clears throat> Those guys. He did do it. He uh, did supposedly, pour it out. there's still stuff in their ice box, which we might need to cut out. I don't know, but just people have toured. The but really, though, I, but I am curious. Like, if this was 2013, 2014, yeah. Would you person like? I guess you were just getting into it, but like. I feel like the old the old notion was, after a year it gets worse. Right, you're at kind of like a bell curve sort of yeah, like yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I also think that it's again this sort of linear progression of. I mean, I beers that we put in barrels in 2015 uh, at Forager would finish at eight to ten Play-Doh. Right, you know? exactly. So, yep. So the beer the beer itself is is a totally different 
sure. uh, beast going in. So, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of beer. And we we were in small format, uh, 5, 15, and 30-gallon barrels there most of the time. So that also cuts down on, on aging mm-hmm. time quite a bit. Um, yeah, I... Oh, are you working with like thirty gallon? They were working with baby barrels. We up there. we baby barrels. Good. The first barrel aged beers that we released were out of five gallon barrels. Yeah. Oh and, wow. And there were literally seventy five. And bottles. they were like they were they were getting five gallon barrels in, and then they were filling them with putting honey. honey in them, and then dumping the honey out, and then putting beer in. It was. Oh you, wow. You're talking labor of love to get five yes. gallons out of that barrel, and those beers were good. They were, and they. Were, I mean, literally. Earlier you're we talking... talked about me being Zach Dunbar, and one of those beers that I was Zach Dunbar came out of a five gallon honey bourbon barrel. Yeah, one. Hell yeah, one awards for sure yeah. for. But it's hard to it's hard to put yourself back there, knowing what we know now and knowing where beer is. Sure. Just try to imagine what we would have done in 2013. Now. Beers are bigger. Beers need more time, and that really, I think, in our opinion, the only option we have, you know, they're just not ready yet at a year. Right. So, mm-hmm. it's easier know. not to tease yourself. Right. So I look sure. at it. Yeah. So what do you guys think? We've we've tried these two beers. We've we've tried the two of them. What's the? All right. I'm gonna ask you both the same question, and I'm gonna say it the same way. And every time I do this, it, it doesn't ever work. But I'm gonna try it again. <laughs> no hedging. The next word out of your mouth has to be an answer. Okay. D- which one of these did you like better? Did you like Wistful number one in the Buffalo Trace barrel better, or did you like Wistful number two in the Blanton's barrel better? And I'm gonna ask James first, no hedging. Next word out of your mouth is an answer. What'd you like better? Two. Number two, okay, and Jack. One, what? and I can give a lot of reasons why on that. I'm but. glad, I'm, so oh, yeah, well, why don't you, I would love to know, how about you both uh, uh, let us know what you think of it. I mean, we don't get a ton of feedback on these things so it's great to hear um i can start sure two is chocolatier not as fruity and a little warmer and i like that so for me the first one because i feel like it tastes more carbonated Mm -hmm. it 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 drinks more like beer um a lot of the times these pastry stouts are a little sometimes too syrupy for me when they're super still I have a hard time drinking more of them. And on number one, I feel like I could have had more of a glass of it. Where on number two, I like two to three ounces is probably all I could do. Yeah. Where yeah. on number one, I could probably do, it's still not a full 10 ounce glass, but I'm talking six ounces yeah. over an hour or so. And it's not as hot here. And I think I drink a lot of Buffalo Trace. It's one of my favorite. Uh, like you know, off the shelf yeah, type. Yeah, off the shelf, like the what is it, $26 bottle, Buffalo Trace, whatever it is off the shelf. That's yeah, one of my bad. favorite ones. It's it's just, it has a really good caramel, raisin, sort of toffee note to it that I think I like better than, this is much more chocolatey, much more syrupy. And it, it, for me, specifically, I, I, and I think two is probably gonna be the more popular one of the two. But for me personally, I like number one better. And and I don't know if that's just a me thing or anything. I think I I bet number two more people will rate higher though. If they if they would have done a Yeah, we need we need uh, sorry to cut you off. We have uh, Nathan, our sound engineer here. He has tried both of them. He sat next to us. So I feel like we need a tiebreaker vote here. We need we need him to come in as the voice of reason and give us what Set us straight. The, what is what is the best one? Give us the goods, Nathan. All right, it's Nathan here. I'm the voice of the normies. You know. He is. Uh, <laughs> he is definitely the normie. And he asked us 
great questions all the time. <laughs> I don't respect his answer if it's not my answer. Hey, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. All right. So for me, it is wistful number two. They're both excellent. I mean, if I'm if I'm going on untapped, they're both easily easily hitting four seven fives. They're both very five, close though. to five point oh's. I mean, let's I don't let's just be do honest. Fives. Five point oh's for me are like god tier beers, mm-hmm. and these are excellent. Mm-hmm. These are oof, oof. But I think two is a little more balanced. I agree with James that one is more fruit forward. And I like it a lot. I mean, having them side by side is extremely special. But the Blanton's Barrel, Wistful Number Two, still has that fruity note that is really nicely balanced by the chocolate, by the caramel, by the roast. Wistful Number One is a delightful stout that is a just beer. a bright fruit fruit bomb towards the end. Mm-hmm. So that's where I land. Back to you, Scott. I bet you could actually taste, like, if you just tasted the Blanton's versus, you know, uh, Buffalo Trace and you tried those two side by side, I bet oh, that'd be a lot of what you like of the two beers comes from which of those two you yeah. prefer. I think that's the exciting thing about these beers is they they are uh, barrel expressive, which is kind of what we yeah. were talking about. Is I, I think that, that they both uh, have a pleasant amount of alcohol character or heat yeah um that's balanced uh by the residual sugar of the beer itself i'm definitely a number two guy myself but i'm so, a number one guy hell yeah number one guy. The God, team. i knew it's it the, well i guess i'm on your team it takes all I'm, I'm on the team it takes a village so yeah. this kind of blows my mind because like as a like my taste in bourbon i prefer buffalo trace to blaine's really but uh, when it comes to these beers, though, well, plans, it's not exactly one to one, though, right? Like, I love Woodford, but not every beer should go in a Woodford barrel either. No, for sure, no, no. I'm I, yes, but I mean, like, what you were saying, like, it might come down to what you prefer, mm-hmm. spirit wise. But like, in the way that the beer is expressed through the barrel, I I prefer the 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 blends, mm-hmm. which is not exactly what I would expect. What's a what's a beer you guys have had in the last uh, week or two that uh, kind of uh, excited you? Doesn't have to be your own. It yeah. can be though, or it can not be beer too. If you had a wine or anything, like we try to be keep it beer focused. But if you got something else that's been exciting you, go for it. I, I mean, I could I could go first, I guess, if you yeah, want. Yeah, go first. Yeah. What um, what, do you, what have you been Black's, drinking lately? Well, I had that. What am I missing out on here? Well, I don't know if you're missing out on it, but it was pretty good. That uh, Final Fantasy two, I believe it's from Blackstack, mm-hmm. and they had it in uh, collaboration with uh, a lab, and then people that provided some other ingredients for it. Because I've been was us. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> Amazing. I didn't even know that. Well, well, we, well we sold them the Phantasm. Oh, well, oh, yeah, that's that's you guys I, I aren't on the that. label for yeah, it, just I so did, you know. You I should be that. that. Yeah. Well, we, we're not really in the habit of putting collaborating breweries on labels anyway, so <laughs> yeah, that's totally fine. But, I get it. I, in there. I had the Final yeah. Fantasy too. It's a Phantasm beer. I, I, I'm trying to get out and try everything that has experimental stuff in it, has the Phantasm, has Thialized yeast, all that stuff. Uh, thicker than I would have liked, but that makes sense. Double IPA. Real hazy. A little old, though, in the cans at this point for, like, that big of a hazy. It's been a month and a half, I think, since it's been in cans. Yeah. And, I mean, it's fine. I mean, I know what to expect coming from it. And it, it was still really juicy, great, like, huge. It, it wasn't, like, tropical fruit, guava, or any of that stuff. It was more just pure because 
I think just because it's been more long in the tooth, I got a lot more less hop tropical characters, more white wine characters like sure. that, uh, like a Sauvignon Blanc, like a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, where it has lots of nice, super light, fruity flavors, which you wouldn't have expected from how it looks. So that's one of the beers I've had uh, just this last week uh, that was exciting to me just because it had a ton of cool experimental stuff in it. Ooh, yum. Mm-hmm. Sounds Man, like a beer I need to try. I'm still thinking, James. It was also $24 for a four-pack, which yeah. I don't regret, and it was made to share. Mm. So you never think about that 24 price, and we talked about it on the Morloff Hour as, like, I'm fronting this cost. Those beers are so big, you're probably not drinking the one can by yourself. No. So think of no. it more like eight beers instead of six be- or four beers, and totally. you're good to go. Yeah. Totally, totally. And I know those guys don't <clears throat> don't necessarily skimp on on their <laughs> dry hopping. They right. do not. Boys? <laughs> Pretty intense. Reckless, reckless abandon from that brewery in in the best way. They're love that good yeah. friends of ours, and they. They do really good things. I also love Final Fantasy. I raid in every single week in Final Fantasy fourteen online, just so y'all know. Nice. James. I, uh, I met Murph. Seven or get the fuck out. I met Seven's Murph the at the get down, and he's a very nice guy. Mm-hmm. His arm was all fucked up. What were you, What have you been drinking lately that you're really excited about? Um, I don't I don't know if I'm like super excited about it, but what I've recently been drinking is Victory Dance from Single Speed. Um, it's a classic. Very, yeah, no, it was really nice. Like, uh, so I live in Beaverdale. Dave Morgan's hey. going to be here tomorrow. Oh, really? Yeah. Love Dave. I'll tell him that you liked his beer. Yeah. Well, please do. I've I've only told him a few times, but he 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 would love to hear it again. Uh, I live in Beaverdale, and they just opened the Fairway like meat market, which is awesome, by the way. Oh, it's it's incredible. Um, but they have like uh, they have an okay beer selection but I was going up there just grabbing some stuff because I also have just like regular groceries which is nice like I'll grab a six pack and I saw a victory dance and I'm like dang I haven't had that in a while like I love to have their uh, <clears throat> tip the cows classic any of their hazies are great Gable's fantastic but uh-huh. I just saw this victory dance and just kind of it just connected with me had two of them with dinner pasta some chicken it was really nice. Did you buy the chicken at Fairway then, or? I did buy the chicken, but then I went home and breaded it and baked it. Nice. What about the pasta? Uh, the pasta was this fantastic bolognese that my wife made. Yeah, but did, did you it... buy it at Fairway? No. We probably got it at Fresh Time. Mm. We're Fresh Time and Aldi people. I'm Besides an Aldi boy when myself. you go to Fairway. Besides when I go to Fairway. It's a meat market. You go it's there to meat, buy the meat. meat you go buy the yeah, meat. Grace is a well, vegan. He buys the beer there, too. Fairway, shout out Iowa Company. Fairway. Yeah. yeah. Good guy. My brother worked <laughs> there from out. the time he was 14 and through college. Look And My look at him brother. now. He works for Pioneer now. Thriving. Oh, hey. Still, hey. He's shout <laughs> out, Jay. J-A-E. 30-something and thriving. <laughs> well. 40-something? Mm. No, no. He's 30-something. He's 35, I believe. <laughs> You're questioning how, how I'm questioning thriving. The, I'm, yeah, yeah, the question. thriving. I'm, I'm not questioning the age. Thriving? I'm questioning the thriving. He just had a kid last year. Uh, no, just over a year ago. So he's not currently thriving. There's toddlerness oh, going on sure. in his household, and she is a a toddler. Yeah, I will say. Uh, as let's a get cat, her on the podcast. Violet, yeah, yeah, let's podcast. go. Shout out Violet. Shout, Shout out Violet. Violet. Shout out Violet. Come on out. 
just I will get say to hour two, and then we get into the shoutouts. Yeah, for a while here. I will. I will say real quick though, as a as a secondary beer, uh, Vanis Gruna Pilsner from you don't Aldi. get two. You don't. I'm you sorry. don't get two. I I I, I'm with you. When I get a four to Aldi, pack is six bucks. When I get to Aldi, so good. I'm buying Vanis Gruner, and I'm. I brought. I brought Zach a can like six months ago. That is how like, out of date was it? By the time you had it off the shelf, it wasn't though. It mm-hmm. wasn't when mm-hmm. I got it. It was actually fine. I mean, but it still sits on the shelf warm. Vernus so Gruner yeah. sounds like the scientific name for a rat. Yeah. Hey, not, I, and I would not befriend that rat. And Doesn't I'd be like, off the tongue. Uh, uh, no hey, offense, Aldi. Don't try the IPAs off their shelf, though. Dude, Vernus Gruner is a legitimate is. German brewery that Aldi just happened to hook up with. Aldi is a German company, so that doesn't surprise me. Well, so is Trader Joe's because Trader Joe's they're owned by the same company. No, they're not. They're yes, two they brothers. are. They're, Trader like, Joe's like, owns Aldi. I don't want to have to Google this right now, but they no, do. No, there's two Aldi. Aldi. Actually, I think it's the reverse. I there's think Aldi two owns Aldi. Trader Joe's. There's Aldi and Aldi sued. So Aldi We're gonna South. get into it. I'm gonna. It's do, just like Adidas, this. dude. It was two brothers, and Puma is the other brother. Do you guys ever watch It's Always Sunny? Oh yeah, have you ever seen shows. the episode where they they decide to record? At, at the time, it w- I suppose it would be a podcast, but they're actually making radio, and uh, Dennis <laughs> and D are just going back and forth, and somebody's talking about how it's not good radio. And I wanted to jump in right there and be like, "That's <laughs> not good radio." <laughs> what about all the Trader Joe's? You guys have had plenty. Of time you to are think not about wrong. It. Stop stalling, though. What is the beer that you guys? Yeah, guys. Are excited <sighs> about? Zach Scott, go first. I, last it night, doesn't have to be beer. Beer, wine, bourbon, cocktail. Uh, last night I was at Confluence and I had a Confluence original. Their Hellas Lager that Ooh, was really, so good. Really the great. Buccaneers beer. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's true, but uh, the beer is really good. I know that it's it's the Buccaneers beer. That's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. The, the Iowa Bucks. Iowa Bucks. Tam- yeah. Tampa bit. Yeah, that Tampa beer was really great. And then um, on Saturday there were some games on. My wife and I shared an expedition stout, and it had been oh, in our fridge about a oh. year. But it's kind of the fall, like it, yeah. it's one of those beers for us that marks. Our kids were born in August, September, and October. They're fall-ish babies, Whoa. and uh, so typically she'd get done being pregnant, we'd start drinking stout because that's what you do in nice. the fall. And expedition's that one. So expedition has always been uh, a special beer for us. Those are the ones I'd say. I was wrong. There are two different Aldi companies, by the way. Also, I, I chastise <sighs> I you, you for saying you don't get two, and then I gave two. That's really hypocritical. Yeah, that's okay. You're the, I'm you're, sorry. You're one of the board members of the guild. We can't really tell you no. Yeah, you make the rules. Yeah. Zach, the I guess you get three. Don't forget it. You don't get three. You I get, get three. All right, shout out <laughs> hams. <laughs> hams for life, Minnesota. Do you actually like hams? I, mean, I have a very strong, <laughs> <laughs> I have a very strong affinity as a Minnesota native for... Uh, Hams in the land of sky blue waters. I do like hams. I bought a lot of it when I was very young. Um, I discovered hams when I was like 20 because mm-hmm. I don't know if it just came here or something. But in my small town, a 12 pack was seven bucks. Oh, yeah. You know what I've always thought with hams is like, all right, so it's a very classic style. It's hams. But what if somebody in 2022 named their beer Hams Beer? <laughs> It's a terrible name. And why, a did terrible they, why did they pick a pig terrible for a mascot? Yeah. Also, like, they were just Because like, it was a name and right it makes there. sense. Ugh. Low-hanging fruit. Yeah, but... Ken pig, Ham? Pigs are... Love them. Make ham? Did you just make that up? Yeah. <laughs> Charlie Ham. Ken Ham. Hey, Philip Ham. ham. <laughs> the entire it's, family. It's Philip a lineage. Seymour it's a Ham. Yeah. You've heard of him. Um, uh, yeah, I, I still... I wish I had a really good answer. I don't, I don't find myself strangely... Drinking a lot of beer outside of no, he never drinks beer often. anymore. Every time I offer him a beer, he's like, "Nah, I'm good." So what good. are you drinking? 
if it's not hams, what are I you like, drinking? I like high noon. Hey, high yeah, noon's okay, good. Yeah. What's your favorite high noon? We're we're a Lacroix brewery around here. Peach or pineapple. Yeah. Yeah. But I do love, do love Lacroix. Peach or pineapple. We should make Mash alcoholic seltzer. Lacroix. Yeah, but then they fall into this like whole like Topo Chico sort of like tread. And Why not fall into there? Okay. Keep there. going though. I, Sorry, I, I didn't I, mean to bust up your high noon train. I mean, I would say that the market's saturated. Huh. You say that about beer too. Yet they Guys, keep coming out. Hit me with your top three Lacroix. Pamplemousse, grapefruit boy yep. for life, yep. for sure. Yeah, uh, passion fruit, very, very good. Peach mango or peach pear? Excuse He's a peach me. Pear. Peach oh, pear is very really? good. Peach pear is Love really good. Peach pear. Wow. Peach yep. pear is only in those skinny cans, though. Still, no, isn't peach it? Pears, no, no, peach pear. Squat boys. It started, yeah. it start, it started it's in the skinny. Not a, it's boys. not a curate. <laughs> yep. Uh, I'm a uh, I'm a mango apricot strawberry kiwi guy. Blackberry oh, kiwi. Strawberry kiwi. No, isn't it? Is it strawberry kiwi? I think it's blackberry kiwi. I heard someone say it in the back. No, of I said. Right. Well, isn't I, it blackberry cucumber? Sorry, blackberry cucumber no, is what I wanted to say because I love that. What's one. the What's the one that we? It's the curate. It's the curate. 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 Uh, How dare you pronounce things wrong? <laughs> it is. Oh no! It's the pina fresa with the pina fresa. Pineapple strawberry. Pineapple strawberry, not strawberry oh, kiwi. Strawberry, strawberry pineapple. I, I got, feel like yeah. I'm an outsider. I, I got like... a controversial one. Number my number one though. Oh, oh he's gonna say. Let's hear it. This is a big. This LaCroix is a big setup. Clear. What is that? It's the non-flavored one. Oh, that's Do you that's like White untenable. Claw beer too? Or? No, I don't I'm drink White even, Claws. But every single day at work, I'm, not I'm even, pouring listen, Jack, 64 nobody ounce wants cups to engage. of just nobody soda cares. water. Take, I can't do take, this. Your, take your clickbait opinion and move on to number two. <laughs> oh, God. Number two is easily Pomplemousse, though. <laughs> I said that already. And then I got Black Runs a website called BreweryStars.com. Oh, Jack! I would have put myself a lot higher on that list. He put himself last just to get clicks, so he could oh, talk yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. So he could talk about the guys. You know, my hazy like has be... Columbus in it. You guys, that's what sets me apart. That's All of our hazy wow. IPAs have Columbus in. Them. Don't tell most everyone else. Them. <laughs> most of them. Yeah. Columbus Cryo Columbus is, is great. Columbus Cryo is the best product, the oh, most yeah. affordable product. That um, it's very efficient. It's it efficient. Is. And it has a great balancing flavor. If mm-hmm. you just had citron mosaic, everything, everything would taste exactly the same. You gotta have well, something that tastes different. You just, that's what the you customer know the secret wants. is. You just don't put it on the label. <laughs> we don't put it on the label. This either. is we a hazy IPA. Mosaic Centennial. What's in it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to know. But no, okay. So clear. And then I got pomplamoose. You can't go wrong with that. Yeah, and then you got slaps. the blackberry cucumber. It's so good. It only right. comes in skinny cans though, which Never is the downfall. Curate. Curate. Hibiscus. Very good. Lemon cello. Mm, too sweet. They, they were talking. I went to get a haircut today at Waveland Barber. Uh, shout out Waveland shout Barber. Shout out. Shout out Waveland shout Barber. Out Waveland. Uh, Ian and Trav. Uh, and they were talking about how good um, the limoncello. The limoncello. Uh, is. It's a sweet lemon. They it's, said it only the, comes in a variety pack. It's a pastry. No, 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 uh, they no, used no, to do true. twelve packs. You can get. You can get as it far in as the, I know. The shout out pack. Ian and Trav. You're wrong. Quit lying. Grace. Grace hates to get it because it's too sweet. But hibiscus, limoncello, pomplamousse is good. It would be a tie between pomplamousse and passion fruit. No, oh, so that's your top four then. I said a tie. <laughs> Just like people said, <laughs> you can't like have four. more than one beer, but we're shouting out other Whoa. beers. All right, I still got to pick my beers. Yeah. Um, I still yeah, got to go to another brewery and do some things. <laughs> got to go to a different brewery tonight? <laughs> yeah. Going over to Big Grove? No, oh. further away. Uh, um, let's do it. Let's do it, Zach. Um, Zach, hit it. Um... Man, I had a, I had a Bell's Two Hearted, <gasps> so good at the no. Library Cafe last week. A twenty ounce, yeah, a Bell's twenty ounce. It had to be a twenty ounce. And and I'll be damned if I didn't throw some Munich Two in our next West Coast Paleo <laughs> because of it. 
Shout out John Mallet. Shout out John Mallet. Shout out John Martin, who also loves Munich too. John Martin loves when all your, things. When Munich. are you guys doing your uh, Bell's collab? And what would it be? <laughs> seltzer water. <laughs> Centennial dry hop no, seltzer no, water. No hearted. <laughs> no hearted. They haven't made that yet. No. They've made black hearted, cold hearted. You got half hearted, hearted, half hearted. Is there really a half hearted? There's a half hearted. It's the low ABV is version. A, no, I thought that was light hearted. So oh, this is, is the thing that I hate: is uh, a brewery gets one successful brand, and then some giant marketing company tells them like, "You've got to capitalize Ranger. on that brand." <laughs> Ranger, uh, hearted. Okay, uh, okay, but Big Rove is already doing that real hard right now with Imperial Eddie. Scott, uh, Scott doesn't work for Big Rove. I know, Not but I'm anymore. just saying we got a local boy. That's doing that same strat. I hate the strategy. I, think I also hate uh, that strat. I think it's because um, it doesn't make differentiate the beer very much. Imperial Eddie slaps though. Royal Eddie, Imperial Eddie. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Double Eddie, Eddie, Big Eddie, Big Eddie. I, I thought it was called Big Ed at first. Oh, that is a different. They make beer, that yes. too though. I just like that they're leaning into um, color Eddie. being so close to the Sherman Hill neighborhood. I love that. But they're, they're not in the Sherman Hill neighborhood. They're, they're a street away. So oh close. yeah, because what's that? Uh, it's almost uh, Sherman Hill Champagne. Close. Nearly Sherman Hill Champagne. But they're embracing the neighborhood that they're very close to. We are so guys. close to Sherman Hill Champagne. It's nice to have them really close to us in Sherman Hill. Yeah, just across. <laughs> I just like that there's more breweries in on Ingersoll near me. So you guys are my closest brewery to my house because I live in the Drake neighborhood. Mm. And man, oh, oh man, yeah. do I just pop over here way too often. Man, and you're no one deep sees in me. Drake. I was just at your house recently for yeah. the first time. And I, I told I was you like, I was deep in that Drake. Dang. Total yeah. champagne poppy. I'm deep in that Drake. I wish there was a Drake brewery. If you guys need a third tap room, please open one in Drake. I don't have the money. Yeah, there is nothing. No. There's no Peggy's. It would be our second. Well, there's West End Lounge. I'm saying third tap room after the restaurant. After the restaurant. Buy up lefties. Sell them out, please. Mm. Is there going to be smash burgers at the second place? Uh, yes, the smush burger. I'm will about be. to have a smush burger right now. Are you going to choose another vowel? Smash. Smash. Mm. Guys, welcome <laughs> to the outro part. Uh, you know, you you had Looks a great like time. We made it. We're here at the end of all things. <laughs> we're at we're we're at the end of the universe. Um, the answer is forty-two or whatever. I don't know. Douglas it's forty-two. Adams, yeah. Who cares? Yeah. That's uh, anyways, the answer. Wistful one and two. You heard us talk about it. You heard us wax poetic. Mm. So good. Am I right? So good. Too bad. It's unfortunate (laughs) that you won't be able to taste it because it's been almost a month since it came out. Not a month. It's been like three weeks. That shit's gone. Yeah. But it's It's almost gone. Somebody calls in. We'll set some aside. We'll set aside three bottles. Somebody calls in. You ask for Scott or you ask for Zach. Say, hey, I was listening to the Vorloff Hour. You said you'd set aside a set of Wistful for me. Whoa. We got three sets. We'll set aside. You got to call by uh, the end of November. That's fair. End of November. That's the deadline. Do call they need by a, the end of November. Do they need a passcode? It's not going to be that scientific. Two, two, you two, have two, to call two. from a rotary phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A they have to answer what's Scott's favorite color. And when, when, when we say, are you on a rotary phone, you got to be able to, to <laughs> yeah. chime the numbers for us. <laughs> yep. You got to be able to ring it around. Yeah. Call and, in. Uh, we want to share these beers with people. So uh, uh, hopefully. Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah, thank you guys. Well, and I, it's nice to have to let us come on the show with yeah, you. And, uh, it's really no, nice to have, uh, to have been uh, involved. Appreciate thanks, you guys. Yeah. Thanks for having us, us here. Out. 
Yeah, it's been great. Weird. You guys SP. can you guys can come here even when we're not doing a podcast. Oh, really? I this, do. I do come quite anytime. Often, oh, probably I was going to say often. this is actually the this is only the first time I've ever been here. Mm. Welcome, welcome. It's nice. Uh, we're going to all sign off. James is going to finish his liter of beer, and uh, <laughs> I did. Finish yeah, eventually it. finish okay. his liter of beer. Uh, let's just let's do some pluggables. Okay, this is James. Uh, you know, with the Vorloff Hour, we are supported by the Iowa Brewers Guild. My co-host. Jack Wilson. Hello. He uh, can be found. Yep. At Flix Brewer Jack or at Flix Beer DSM. If you're on the TikToks, we've got some good talks out there if you wanted to know. You guys do a lot of dances or? Uh, there were some dances, but it's mostly crapping on domestic beer, which people love to hate. So uh, we get flamed for that, but it's very good. Hell yeah. TikTok, at Flix Beer DSM. Zach Scott, where can we find you? Where can we find Lua Beer? Uh, Lua Brewing on Instagram and Lua Brewing on Facebook. And Pete runs the Twitter. And Pete runs the Twitter, but he doesn't have the password. He runs it through his own personal page half the time. I feel like he posts, hey, you know, it's me, Pete. I mean, yeah, yeah, shout shout out Pete. You're you're doing a, you're doing your job. Good job. (laughs) Shout out Pete. We love you, Pete. Thanks for uh, you guys. Appreciate yeah, being on here. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks for sharing this beer. Thanks and, for coming uh, and hang, hanging out. It's been great. It's been a wonderful evening. The weather's been phenomenal. I hope you guys have, and I know it'll be over by the time this premieres, but I hope the Oktoberfest went over well. I hope to see those numbers on the book, the book face and the Twitters and the and all the stuff. Oh, yeah. The Oktoberfest was amazing to drink. Glad thank we got a little bit of an early peak. And with that... Peace. Dose. Bye. Deuce. Deuces. This has been a production of the Vorloff Hour, the official podcast of the Iowa Brewers Guild. Special thanks to Andrew Hoyt for the intro music and Balanced Scale Media LLC for our sponsor segments and outro music. Find the Vorloff Hour wherever podcasts are found. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram.